Hey, I'm Dave Eigenberg, and I play Herman on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, shy hearts, how's it going? Happy Friday, all that good stuff. Uh, yep. Welcome to episode 229 of Meet Us at Molly's. We decided to make ourselves cry this week because we can. I don't know. Uh, but we decided to cover like one of the saddest crossovers of them all. So this is Fire 515, PD416, and then the Justice Pilot. Like, yeah. Yeah. So if you're, you're probably like episode numbers mean nothing. What the hell? This is the one where Lexi dies. That's yeah, straight up. The warehouse fire. The warehouse fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 2016. I didn't look at the air date. 2017 because i was actually watching live at this point okay and i remember tweeting i this is like such because i obviously haven't live tweeted that much pre-podcast of course like in the fandom i wasn't like live tweeting every night the shows were on back then but i remember live tweeting this crossover and tweeting about the fact that like about um elias's performance or whatever and then sophia like quote tweeted it and it was like a big deal back then yeah big deal yeah back when they all live tweeted you know I definitely used to keep screenshots of any time I got retweeted by Sophia and it was only like twice but I definitely used to keep screenshots I do I mean I don't always post about it but like sometimes depending on who it is and like if it's the first time or you know whatever like yeah I definitely have a bunch of screenshots or like back when I was writing if someone like shared an article like I would definitely like screenshot it just for my records you know yeah yeah so we always start with the news. We were just talking before we started recording about how like we're kind of lucky in this time of the year. It is hiatus, yes. But now that they're back filming, the news section is really just fun. Like we can talk about behind the scenes stuff that everybody's posting. It doesn't really, we don't have to talk about articles or anything. We get to have a little fun with it. So yeah, well, and it's not yeah. like we were just talking about too. It's not like post more. Once we get into the season, a lot of times when we have news, it's either episode descriptions which we then stress the fuck out about or postmortems about a decision that a character made that we either like or we really didn't like. And so then we stress out about that too. And it's like, this is just like you said, it's a lot of fun, just like chill. Oh, look at them. They're so happy to be back on set. Like, this is so fun. Yeah, yeah. So we'll start off with the PD kids. Today, today's Wednesday, the day that we're recording this. You're listening on Friday, obviously. Today was like, an historic day in social media with regard to the PD kids. Okay, so Patty posted on his Instagram, which like that never happens. Also, I don't know how I missed that. Like recently, he and Reem were in DC. They how were? did I miss that? I I saw it on her Instagram. Interesting. And I don't really follow her, but I ended up on her Instagram today or yesterday, and I saw that they were in DC recently, and I was like, "What the fuck? How did I miss that?" Not that I'm there anymore, but I'm like, "Why couldn't they have been there when I was still there?" Right? They were in your hood. Yeah, my old hood. Yeah. Miranda was in Dallas one time for like a weekend a couple of years ago. And I was like, what the hell? Like, Yeah, well, wasn't Dominic back there relatively recently? And you were like, what the fuck? Why didn't I not know he was back? Dude, Dominic's from here. Like, he yeah, no, to- that's what I'm saying. That yeah. like, blew my mind because I didn't know that at all until he he like said it to Nakia or something in an interview. And he was like, oh, I went to college here. I grew up here. I'm like, you what now? That freaking Texas connection. I know. 
I know. Next time we have him on, I want to like find out more details and be like, where exactly did you go to college? That would be amazing if he was like, oh, I went to blah, blah, blah. And it was like my alma mater. I'd be like, what? Small world. I get excited. Please forgive me. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Patty posted today. That's where we came. That's where we started with. We're like two minutes in and I've already digressed into like ridiculousness. Great. I took us there. It's fine. It's fine. I took us there. Okay. So Patty posted on Instagram today, which never happens. Like that man just kind of every, like once, like maybe twice a year, he just remembers he has an Instagram and then he posts something. So Patty posted today, um, Reem posted something from like their vacation in Italy that I saw. Um, what else happened? Oh, oh, oh um, Jesse did a five minute Twitter Q and A. What? It's like the good old days. It's just like the good old days. Jesse like never uses Twitter anymore or he does, but he's always- on it. Yeah. He always uses Twitter. He just usually is talking politics, which is fine. And it's his Twitter. He can do it, fit what he wants, but yeah. it's nice to see him talk about PD and other random things. And not only that, but in the middle of the Q&A, Marina replied with a question. This is just like we're back in like season one or two when the both of them used to tweet. Yeah, no, it was fine. And then my favorite thing was his response. He was like, sorry, Q&A is over or whatever. Maybe good luck next time or whatever. It was just really funny. Really oh, Jesse. So, I mean, this is all fun stuff that came out of the Q&A. Uh, he was just in the car and he had five minutes and just fired off a tweet. This, I mean, this is just like the, the 300 chats when he and Sophia would sit in the Chrysler and just. Oh, I was around for obviously a season of that. And those were fun. They were fun. They were fun. There was one question in particular that sent the fandom into a whirlwind. Yeah. Um, somebody asked what scene has meant the most to him in the 10 seasons that he's been on the show now. And all he said was 909 last season. 909 is the episode when Upstead gets married. Yeah. And the scratching. Hashtag scratching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that scene. No, I think it's, I think, you know, I think it's cool that that's the moment that, or that's an episode that has meant the most to him. And obviously too, I think even just beyond the Upstead stuff, like, I think we've talked a lot about this, about like the Voight and Jay stuff in that episode and kind of where it brings their relationship now. Cause obviously it's a very pivotal in terms of that and something that's been building for nine seasons at that point. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in that episode. So I think it's really cool that he picked that one. That is really cool. And just between the Twitter Q&A and some of the behind the scenes photos we've seen, even the photo of Jesse and Tracy and Benjamin that he posted online, Jesse looks so happy. I love it. Well, you know where they don't look as happy is the photo that Lori's posted last week after we recorded of him and Patty well, Lori's Patty and Jesse in the dress blues. Yeah. Like, why are we wearing dress blues in the first episode of the season? I don't have Unless it has to do with um Torres's promotion ceremony maybe maybe but would they all be there and would they all be in dress blues I don't know maybe that's the only thing now that I'm thinking of I'm like maybe but like why are they in dress blues yeah why? it's it's always alarming when you see them in dress blues it's unsettling I also when I just, you see any show in any like any for you know law enforcement military whatever show and anytime anybody's in dress blues in any show it's like no right can't 
Right. That, or when you pick up that, like the background of whatever scene is at med, like the episode last season of fire, when, uh, it was like right before the wedding when we, like Kelly got attacked, but like, we didn't know he got attacked. And so oh, like, yeah, he and yeah, Stella yeah. are having that conversation. I'm like, hold the phone, hold the phone. That is med. Why is he at med? Like that's yeah. always a little unsettling. Yeah. 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 So, you know, there's been a lot of good behind the scenes stuff that's come out of, you know, a lot of what the PD people are posting, not just the cast, but the crew and Looch. Uh, you, we all know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that this fandom is basically just a bunch of detectives. Well, it's just nice to see the PD kids post because for a long time, especially last season, a lot of what got posted was from fire. And even mm-hmm. then it was not as much, but we got most from fire. We never really get that much for med just because med is indoors like we're not seeing fan photos and whatever but it's nice to see pd being really active this season just because it was rare last year very rare yeah there there was a picture floating around the other day of like a rig with fake blood and there was a lot of fake blood in the jug Mm -hmm. uh there have been some stories floating around about like jesse being bitten by some dog or something i mean the fandom knows how to find things, basically. Well, and like, wasn't it not Jesse, obviously, but Jay getting shot at during like a action sequence or whatever? Didn't that story get floated around too? I think Haley and Jay. Yeah, it was Haley and Jay. I knew Jay, but I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's like a big Haley scene. I mean, there's like a lot of things floating around that, like, obviously, we don't know how much truth there is to them, but there's a lot of things being seen filming um, out in the open that. I'm curious to see when they air. August just started and we have until the end of September. I don't have it in me to stress about this right now. Yeah. How many weeks are we at now? We're at one, two, three, four, five, six. We got seven more weeks, people. From the day we're recording this, obviously we're recording on Wednesday. So. Yep. Yep. Oh man. But it's good to see stuff from the PD kids. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. It feels like old times. It does feel like old times. And it's nice to see the fans taking pictures with Benjamin too. It it seems like the fandom has already just like embraced him. Like, well, and I really, I like seeing too that. I mean, obviously I don't know if he'll do this forever, but like right now he's like, anytime someone reposts stuff on his, you know, about him on their stories, like he's reposting it. And like, it's very cool to see him like starting to interact with the fandom. It's really cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. You're, you're part of us now, Benjamin, just, yep. You're you stuck leave. with us. It's fine. Yeah. Never getting rid of us. That's how this works. Yeah. So yeah. Um, meanwhile, over on fire, the behind the scenes stuff has just been rolling in from, from everybody. Oh, mainly it's mainly Hanako though. Let's be mainly, real. Mainly Hanako. I have so many questions. Why was Jimmy holding two strips of bacon in his hands the other day? I don't. Why? Why was he? It's not even like he was near the craft table. Like he was on set. Like why? Yeah. And he was like just standing there and like they were like touching up his hair or whatever. And he was literally just holding a bacon strip in each hand. So many questions. So many questions. But uh, Hanako and Jimmy have been just delivering the behind the scenes content and it's been perfect. We just, we don't deserve them. Well, and the one that Lulo posted today of the two of them and like, she's got her like middle fingers going up. It's just so funny. That is the most like Hakami slash Jimmy and Hanako photo ever because like Jimmy's doing like the points and like the thumbs up and everything and Hanako's just like middle fingers in the air it's so good it's so funny it's there's so been some great behind the scenes content there um which pretty much confirms that Jimmy's back I mean he posted a tweet himself that said he re- someone had like posted the clip of him mm-hmm. with the bacon and he quote tweeted that and said 
cat cat, out of the gets bag. the cats out of the bag. So obviously nobody knows how long that means, but like, are they on? Is fire on episode two yet? Do That's we know? A good Does question. anyone know? I think um, they are. I don't know. I don't know. But it, my guess is one episode one, two for sure. He's back. So this whole fandom is fighting the good fight and just being like, dude, like make this man a regular already. Like just do it already. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we'll, I guess we'll find out in the next couple of weeks when he starts posting his Barry schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, he posts it. It's not like people go looking for it. He posts it. So this fandom is a bunch. We're just a bunch of detectives. We know how to- you don't even have to be a detective. You just look at his Instagram and he'll tell you he's no, in I Chicago know. or he's in New York. No, I know. I mean, and it's pretty obvious why he's in Chicago. We do not encourage stalking on this podcast. Just no, but for I'm the just record. saying, if you want to go take a class with Jimmy, go take a class with Jimmy. Yes. And then report back and he yeah. encourages it. So I'm just saying it's not, he encourages it. Oh my God. If he did like a charity spin class or something, like the whole fandom would show up. We got to work on that. Mm-hmm. We got to work mm-hmm. on that. Yep. It's going to, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make yep. it happen. I don't know if it would convince me to take the class, but I'd show up in Chicago. Oh, I really want to try it just once. I'm, I don't, I, I, w- I don't think I could do it forever. Cause like, I'm not that I, I, I like working out now, but like, I'm not that, but like, I'd want, I want to do it just once. It sounds and looks terrifying. That's what I said. I want to do it once. Uh, I'd hide in the back and just be like, you can't see me. I swear I'm cycling along. Everything's good. Leave me alone. Well, okay, but do you want to do soul cycle or do you want to do berries? They're not the Didn't same. Didn't Jimmy say berries is more intense though? Barry said, he said it's like the most intense workout in New York. Is it? That's what he said. Well, then maybe now that he's back at soul cycle, we should, we should take that one instead. I will stand off to the side and be moral support. I'll be like, you go, Brian and Jimmy. <laughs> have fun. Oh, man. I have a friend who, like, she loves that stuff. And she has a Peloton and everything. And, like, she'll post on Facebook and be like, ooh, it's, like, the 90s music ride. And I'm like, that sounds like a lot of fun. But no. I no. I think in theory, I like the idea of it. But I cannot justify spending that money on a freaking bike. I just can't. Or, like, that class that often. I just can't. Right. No, I get it. But for some people who, you know, that's like their jam, of course. Yeah. Go do your thing. But yeah, I just, for me, like, I mean, and I like it and I like working out. Um, but like, no, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm too afraid. Not all the time. I can't yeah. spend that much money that all the time. No. Yeah. So that's the news. Uh, just being blessed with behind the scenes content. Oh, the, did we talk about the drag brunch that they went to this weekend? Uh, no, we did not talk about the drag brunch, but also Hanako coming clutch with the drag brunch content too. Yeah, Hanako socials are like just so entertaining. A uh, place to be. But actually though, yeah. So over the weekend, I think Hanako, Miranda, Daniel, and Caitlin went to a drag yes. brunch and like, yes. where was our invite? It looks so fun. It did look so much fun. And it was like some 90s. I don't, I don't know. They had like some, it looked like 90s decorations or whatever. Cause there was the video of Miranda on the like pay phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Just cute. Yeah. Just, just the behind the scenes content coming from the fire kids. It's just a plus plus. I also love that Caitlin is invited, you know, that there she's friends with them too and gets invited to that stuff. And it's fun to see that too. We're just one big happy family. They really are. 
it's the best yeah i love them yeah yeah so fingers crossed maybe some of the med kids will start posting i don't know yeah guy's the only one we're really gonna ever get content from and he's been silent recently so guy i need you to step up your med game up please we just want to see everybody that's all yeah we've only seen we saw no we did see that well marina blessed us with the picture of nick and apatha and remember the selfie yeah and then guy posted the picture of him in scrubs right but like we haven't seen we haven't heard or seen from anyone else not a word from dominic not a word from steven not a word from asia not a word from marlene i mean nobody nope nope just 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 check in and say hi i'd be happy with that yeah no nobody just a selfie that's all i need i just need to see that you're on set and then you can go back into hiding Uh uh-huh exactly yes just take a take a selfie in your scrubs and then go back to work and we will be so happy Although I will say, though, I guess they've now, because we've seen Nick and um, Guy, that means that we know they're, that was the spoil, you know, the ending. So. So we know they're okay, which, I mean, we were never really worried, but. No. You know, I would, I would actually not mind a a picture of Jesse Stram just to know that, like, they're not going to pull some horrible twist and be like, oh, she died in the fire. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm also surprised we haven't gotten any, and we've talked about this, I want to say maybe a couple weeks ago, that we haven't gotten any Archer Sun casting news. I know, I know. And I, I had a little- I mean, granted, when Michael Rady joined the cast last year, unless Steven Weber hadn't posted about it on Instagram, we would have never known. Mm-hmm. But still, I feel like that's got to be coming down the pipeline eventually, right? Yeah, I had a little bit of a laugh this weekend. So our, our friend Ashley, friend of the pod, Ashley Summerall, uh, she went to GalaxyCon in Raleigh last weekend mm-hmm. and Matt Lanter was there and she posted a picture yes, of he him. Was. And it just took me back to that episode when we were talking about it. And I just kind of threw his name out there because it was just the first one I thought of. And I was just like, oh, okay, he's at a con. He's not in Chicago. So detective work. He's but at cons all over the place. Maybe Archer's son isn't coming in until mid-season. But, like, that was part of the Archer cliffhanger. I don't know. So, like, for them to hold it off till midseason just seems silly. But, I mean, I guess. But the truth is we have no effing clue what's happening on the med side because they're all inside and nobody posts. So. That's what I'm saying. We get very. If it wasn't for Marina, we would not know anything. Marina did the Lord's work. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's about it on the news. Um just the behind the scenes stuff which we're loving just keep it coming yes please keep it coming yes please more and more that would be great yeah uh we have one patron shout out for today danielle welcome to the family so happy to have you here yes welcome welcome if you would like to support the pod for as little as two dollars a month you can do so by checking the link in our socials it'll take you to our patreon page and you can check it out and see which tier is right for you two four six dollars uh, there's the discount to the merch store. There's the bonus episodes, which we just did one last week. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Facebook group though is the best part. There's like 90 of us and we're just a big giant family. Also live watch tonight. Yes. Live watch tonight. I still need to make the invite for that. Um, yeah, that's, that's present me talking to past me. Uh, yeah, past me still needs to make the invite, but yes, live watch tonight for our patrons, the info's in there with the zoom link and all that good stuff. We are going to watch third watch season one, episode two. Yes. Yeah. 
third watch being like the OG one, Chicago. We talk all about it in our live watch of the pilot. So yeah, cool stuff. All right. Without further ado, shall we move into the crossover? Let's do it. Okay. So again, this is the one where Lexi dies. Um, it's sad. This is the only like I had a lot of like conflicting thoughts on this one, but yeah, it, it's sad. It's definitely sad. I don't think I remembered being it be. I mean, obviously Lexi's death and like that scene where she actually dies and Alice sitting there, like that's a scene that I remembered. But like all the stuff leading up to it, and like there's a couple different scenes in here. I was like, oh shit! I was like, this is like more emotional than I remembered. See, and that's funny that you said that because I it was not as emotional as I remembered. And I mean, we'll get into the specifics on, on certain things, but it was not as emotional. And I, the, the fire portion I thought was kind of a mess. Really? I'd mm-hmm. see that was my favorite part. I think the stuff outside of the call was real scatterbrained and just, it wasn't structured very but- well. I think that's their problem with all these crossovers, right? Until I think, until the high rise one and obviously infection, infection being the best one they've ever done. Cause it, every time we do a crossover now, I just makes me want to be like, damn, infection was so good. I want to go rewatch it. Cause it was, and the high rise one is good too, but all of them, they just feel like it's very much a fire episode that leads into the PD portion that leads into then, I mean, med or just, and obviously in this case, justice, like they're very separate. And yeah, you obviously have the Al being the, you know, through line for all of it. And then you see like a Severide appearance in, you know, PD and fire, PD and justice, mm-hmm. but like, otherwise it's a fire episode. It's PD episode and it's justice episode. Yeah. And that's the problem with all these crossovers and why they always feel like that. Every time we go watch it, I'm like, okay yeah but like we have infection and like infection has just set such a high standard for all of them that like going back and watching all of them like they're fine Mm -hmm. but they're just like fine compared to infection yeah like infection is just like the holy grail for tv crossovers it's true though yeah yeah and i think that's why you think i mean i assume that's part of why you think this is like very scatterbrained is because like it's a fire episode that still has to cross over into pd and then you know pd has to cross over into justice and you know yeah I, yeah i'll say i'll say for sure the, the fire portion i was just kind of like uh, but then the as we got into the pd portion and the justice portion I, my attention was more like focused i was more engaged with it but oh see by the end yeah. like i felt the opposite i was way more into the fire stuff and i think this is just like my nature and we can get into justice and why I was not okay with that but like I think I've just always or at least more recently have been way more engaged with the fire stuff and then like PD and then obviously justice in this case but like so for me fire was more engaging and then PD and then by the time justice I was like I don't really care but like you know we're gonna we're gonna save that for the justice portion because yeah yeah (laughs) okay so the first episode obviously was fire this was season five episode 15 it was called death trap casual not alarming casual casual Casual. yeah no big deal so we are going to start with severide because you know where we are in the timeline anna is still alive kelly and anna (laughs) are still together (laughs) i know i know um i've been talking enough brina do you want to start us off sure i gladly gladly (laughs) um so kelly stops by med because at this point context anna has gone through her bone marrow transplant she's doing okay 
and they had to figure out she was like going back to Springfield and Kelly was like well do I go he's like I got a job offer there coincidentally and you know all that stuff and they've decided at this point they are like not together like you know what I'm trying to think of what the you know someday that's like you know the someday like someday maybe it'll happen if they're in the right place at the right time so that's where we're at with them so Kelly stops by med and asks Maggie about there's a nurse opening at med at in the pediatrics department and Kelly of course like nonchalantly is asking Maggie's like so is that still a thing and she's like well you know the listing was pulled so it's been filled and Maggie's like trying to poke at him for more information she's like so who's this for and he's like no one it's just a friend and it's like uh sure she is kelly like sure just a friend just a friend okay yeah i yeah. love how he she uh, he told her he was like nobody needs to know that i came by yeah yeah nobody needs yeah. to know that was funny yeah so we're back at the firehouse now and stella severed comes back and he's like stella's you know watching him and she can tell that he's down and she's just like ask him what's wrong um, and he's like, you know, mentioned to her that the position was filled and Stella just replies like perfectly. She's like, what well, makes you think she'd want to move here all of a sudden? Like you didn't want to move there either. And it's just like, Kelly's just like, yeah, touche. He's like, I have no comeback for that. This, the whole Anna situation, the way Stella, like the way Stella reacts with it and the way, the way Stella handles the whole thing with the Anna situation is so perfect because she's just the supportive friend there's no jealousy there's no passive aggression there's nothing none of that she's just the supportive friend regardless of what happens she just wants kelly to be happy i will say though re-watching this for whatever reason it made me think about i've never really thought about this but in these early seasons especially five before they became like a real couple towards the end of six it makes me realize how much in the early seasons stella solely revolved around kelly yeah, that's a good point. And like how far we've had Stella just as like an individual character has come because like she, in, even in like this stuff, like she never really had like her own storyline, like everything like tangentially revolved around her relationship with Kelly, whether they were just friends or whether they were obviously romantic, you know, like will they, won't they. But like everything in these early seasons for her revolved around Kelly. And it just, this made me realize it was like, oh, this still is Stella revolving around Kelly. I didn't, I, I didn't even think of that until you said it. That's, that's I've never catch. really thought about it until now. And for whatever reason, that scene made me think of it. And it was like, oh yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's just, you know, Kelly's just like touche, which is true. I mean, yeah, Kelly, like, what were you thinking? Like, she's going to all of a sudden move here when you wouldn't move there. Like, I mean, hello. Our yep. relationship is 50-50. Like, you can't just assume she's going to want to move here just because she has a job. Like, that's not how this works. Yeah, but Kelly's coming off of sleeping with all of Chicago. He's still feeling out how to do relationships. <laughs> yeah. And again, another reason why we always say that, like, we wouldn't have Stellaride if it wasn't for Anna and Severide because of how much Kelly changed in this l- short relationship. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but yep. it's true. Um, So Severide gets back from the fire, which... Obviously, we'll get to that in two seconds. Um, he calls Anna and he leaves her a message. And he's just like, you know, we had a pretty rough night here. And he's like, the thing is, I miss you. And it'd be nice to hear your voice. Which, like, again, up until this point, a very unlike Kelly Severide thing. Oh, big to time. do in a relationship. He would never just, like, call someone to be like, hey, I miss you. Like, it's nice to hear your voice. Like, I had a tough night. Like, call me back. Bye. Yeah. And so, again, very big deal that Kelly did this. Very big deal. 
Um, and at Cruz stops in and interrupts or whatever. And he's like, you know, Severide mentions he's going to go back to the factory to help OFI, which like, of course he does. Of course he does. Um, and then later on the Severide stuff ends in this episode because Stella finds him in the locker room and says like someone is on the app floor waiting for him. And it turns out it's Anna and we're just going to play the clip. I can't imagine what the last 24 hours have been like. Are you okay? Came all the way up here to check on me? Sort of. I was actually already packing up my car when I heard about the Kimball fire. The thing is, is that um, last week, when I was heading home from work, it just suddenly hit me. You are not the only one who gets to decide when it's someday, because someday was actually my idea. So I should be the one who gets to decide. Yeah, sure. And I get why you wanted to stay in Chicago. This means the same reason I went back to Springfield. It's home. Then I heard about this opening for a pediatric nurse at Med. You're the one who took the job at Med. Yeah. <laughs> well, Maggie told me you already asked about it from me, though. Actually, I wasn't supposed to tell you that, so if you tell her, she will. I love them. Yeah. They were I so mean, good. I mean, love Stellaride, obviously. Stellaride forever and ever. That's where it's meant to be now. I see the light. Like, I got it. But, like, again, we wouldn't have Stellaride if it wasn't for Stellaride and Anna. And, like, for those few episodes, man, it was good was good and we've had this conversation before that like just because one ship is canon and another one isn't you can still appreciate the old ship for what it was right because i think a lot of like we said i mean severide isn't the man he is now with stella if it wasn't for this relationship yeah because this is the first time he really felt something enough to like act like a grown-ass man and like be like okay yeah my playboy ways aren't gonna fly in this situation like if i really want to be with this girl which he did like, I got to step up and, you know, change my ways. Yep. Um, so. It was a nice little bubble of, like, three episodes where Anna was happy and healthy. It was, well, yeah, I guess when she was healthy. But, yeah, I was going to say she was around for, I want to say, like, maybe six or seven total. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, when she's healthy, yeah, it's not that many, which is sad. Because she dies, it's 520, so it's not that many after this. That's a yeah. sad episode. So, yeah, we've covered that one before. It's, no, I know. It's a sad <laughs> one. It's a not one I really like to rewatch again. No, I hear you there. So, uh, yeah, there's a, that, that is a cute moment, though, when she's like, oh, Maggie said you were asking, but now she's going to kill me that I told you. Yeah. That was cute. It's, yeah. I feel like so the whole thing is, you know, just cute. And I love the whole someday. Like, for them in that moment, again, like, the whole someday part where she's like, you know, because they had had that thing and then she's like, you're not the only one who gets to decide when it's someday because someday was actually my idea. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I get to decide. And I was just like, yes, Anna. Love it. Love it. Love it, indeed. So, all right. So, moving into the warehouse fire, we get, like, not even, like, two minutes of, like, happy, funny 551 before we get into the call. Like, the episode starts, like, there's like one joke and then boom, there's the call. That's like it. Yeah. So 51 gets called out to a warehouse fire. Um, and I feel like it's important to note because for whatever reason, it stuck, again, it stuck with me on this rewatch. 
the sun setting as they're like putting on their gear for that whole sequence because it's like a whole sequence it's not like one scene and they're done like it's like a whole like minute minute and a half thing as they're like giving all the call details or whatever i just i don't know something about that scene stylistically i feel like it's something we haven't really seen because like it's very with the sun setting and the way the lighting is i don't know it just stuck me as very Uh, i don't want to say dramatic but like it just stuck me as like very it just stuck out to me we'll just leave it at that i'm pulling it back up now because i didn't catch it when when i rewatched, but oh yeah like it's just something we haven't seen before and when i was watching it i was like that's a i mean that's definitely like a choice like it's a really cool glow right and it's like a whole minute minute and a half scene like they go through the whole thing you see everyone put on their gear like Mm -hmm. it's just like a whole thing yeah and uh, the the music is like super dramatic like i think they they definitely tried on this one to really drive home the fact like this is a crossover well and it's like a whole moment of like okay we're going out and getting ready for this big call this big warehouse it's a whole thing you know it's not just like a two minute Mm -hmm. accident scene or whatever they gotta take care i mean it's like they set up the whole moment but i don't know just something with the sun setting i was like that's something we haven't i don't think i've ever seen this seen like that before no I, it's very pretty which makes uh, yeah that that's a good question was it was it a choice or did they just happen to shoot that at sunset well a lot of times those things get sought they get shot they have you know they built the app floor in the studio at mm-hmm. cinespace so a lot of times those scenes i think get filmed at cinespace cool so like i don't know was that filmed in cinespace and that was a choice or like i don't know i just things i'm thinking of yeah yeah for sure for sure. So, and, and there's a moment during the fire that we'll get to here that I, I kind of had the same question of like choice. Was that something they made happen or was that just a coincidence? So, okay. They, they get to this call, this giant warehouse, it, it's on fire and Bowden's behind them and Bowden's getting like, the heads up. There's been multiple calls about the fire. So he goes to tell Connie something. Well, Connie's not there. There's a new girl named Marcy. I didn't remember her. I didn't remember this at all and then I was like wait was this when and it wasn't when she died that was no. season six mm-hmm. so like she was I, I don't know I don't remember this at all me neither me neither so they pull up on scene and people are running out of this building and Casey makes a comment to Herman he's like this is really bad like we're gonna need every company in the city because I mean it's a giant warehouse and yeah. so like there's, I mean, and it, it's perfect. Like the dramatic setting is perfect. There's like well-timed fireballs coming out of the roof and like, you know, like people screaming out the windows. It's, it's just like one of those settings. Yeah. So they start getting victims out and Bowden asks Otis, because like Otis goes inside, of course, like they all go inside and Bowden's like, so what's it like in there? Like what's going on? And Otis is like, it's a maze. It's a mess. There's a ton of stuff. It's like a tinderbox in there. We are going to pull out a lot of bodies a lot so they go up into this room at one point it's like herman and mouch and stella i think and there's like it's sort of like this loft structure or something in this Mm -hmm. room that they're in there's like this loft and there's a victim up there and so she's like hollering to them saying like hey help me out help me out well herman's like where the fuck are the stairs why are they like they're not here well they they go to finally help her they they like improv a ladder air quotes uh which this part was kind of like not that it was funny, but like, uh, Herman's like, let's improvise a ladder. And so I think they're about to like make something to like climb up on it or whatever. All they do is just like dig around and then find a ladder leaning against the wall. 
Yeah, I, I had to go back and rewatch it for a second because I was like, how is that improvising? You just found a ladder. It's not improvising. You just found it. But yeah. okay. So they go to get the girl, but then there's two other victims up there and the weight of those two victims like panicking on top, it basically collapses the loft and it just so happens that Mouch is underneath. So yeah, he's okay. He's cool. Can we just like think about the fact that like flash forward to the end of the season and we have the mattress factory fire and match has a heart attack i want to talk about it too soon like <laughs> why like just thinking about how close those episodes are the fact that like we get a collapse on Mouch in this episode which i forgot about and then the heart attack i was like can we not what about like, how Mouch, like what did derek do to or what did christian do to derek that season no that's a great point what about you remember the episode in season three when the fire trucks collide Yes. And Mouch is the one who gets the injury. He gets like the eye injury. Oh, yeah. Why? Yeah. Like, like, why? Leave him alone, please. Right. Like, but this was in the span of like six episodes. It's like, what did Christian do to Derek within that like month's time? Like, what did he do to him? It was horrible foreshadowing is what it was. That's not funny, Derek. (laughs) Yeah. I do wonder if one of those things is like intentional. Like at this point when they wrote the crossover, did they know that that was how the season was going to end? Yeah. I think so. My guess is probably, but like. Oh, this was your My Miracle season, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Oof. The heart attack. That's what I'm saying. Mouch has a heart attack mm-hmm. in the middle of a fire. In the middle and of a fire. Seven episodes before it, he gets collapsed on by freaking loft, whatever you want to call that structure. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why, Derek? What did Christian do to you? Right. Right. You know, the question I always mean to ask Derek every year when we talk to him and I never get to is I, I want to know why Jesse Spencer is always trying to kill him. Like that whole photo series <laughs> that they do. Why is Jesse always trying to hurt you? Yeah, that's a great question. I always mean to ask and I, I never do. We're going to save that for, you know, the one time we get to do like, what if we ever do get to do like a documentary and be involved in like a one Chicago documentary, that's going to be like our big question. Yeah. <laughs> The hard-hitting journalism for the documentary. Hard-hitting journalism right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, Mouch is cool. He's fine. Uh, he wants to stay behind, but Casey's like, no, you're, like, you're going to get checked out. And like, I love how Casey used his dad voice in this one. Cause like Mouch is like, no, like I want to stay behind. I want to stay here. And Casey just goes, Mouch. Like, He's like yeah, no. <laughs> dad voice. Yeah. So we, we think everything's like winding down because, you know, Bowden's like, okay, it's getting way too dangerous. We got to pull squad out. Everybody's got to leave. Well, no, enter Al. Yep. Olinsky pops up and he's like, Wallace, like you got to listen to me. Lexi's inside. And Bowden's just like, I'm sorry, what? What? And I mean, Al is just beside himself, right? Like I, Part of me was watching this scene and I was just like, okay, well, why isn't Al like more hysterical? Like his only daughter's inside, but also that's Al, right? He always tries to be like the calm, cool, collected one. I was going to say, I think it would be weird if he had had like a hysterical. I mean, he does get a little hysterical at some points, but it's not like it's as hysterical as we're ever going to see Al. Yeah, because Al tries so hard to be the cool, calm one, but this is like the one thing that can break that. Yeah, and I was going to say this whole, I mean- this whole crossover really so all three parts is just like a true master class in acting from elias like he's mm-hmm. so fucking good in all three parts he's so good i just miss him i feel very similar similarly about elias that i do about colin donald like you had him and you wrote him off underutilized him why yeah why yeah yeah 
but Al shows up and he's like Lexi's he's inside like and Wallace is like no I just pulled my people out and Al, and Al is just like Wallace like I'm I beg you I beg you which is something you're never going to hear Alinsky say ever yeah and so Bowden's like this building could collapse at any second like we've got to put water on it and we've just got to hope that she makes it which oh, like, that line killed me I couldn't imagine like somebody I love being in a burning building and somebody telling me like you just have to hope that they make it that's not good enough well and even just being on the boat inside of it too like to have this I mean I don't think he and Al were ever like BFFs or anything but obviously they've been around in both of their you know their both of their fields for a long time and Mm -hmm. so they've been friendly friends you know for a long time and to be to tell someone you care about that like, hey, we got to just hope that your daughter is okay. Like to be on the boat inside of it is like, Jesus. Yeah. I can never brutal. do it. That's yeah. brutal. So Severide convinces Bowden. He's like, let's, let's, you and me, let's go. And it looks touch and go there for a second, but they find her and they get her out. So alive. And she's still alive. alive. She's alive. Yes. But they get her out. So that's, that's good. The shot that I was wondering if it was coincidental or not, there's this part where they take this like giant sweeping aerial view of the building as the L train's going by. And it's Mm. like cinematic and just like dramatic and gorgeous. That's the one where I was like, coordinated Mm. or coincidence? My guess is coincidence. Imagine being on the L train and just like going by a giant warehouse fire. But I guess at this point, though, in places like Chicago, L.A., New York, like where filming is happening a lot, I feel like you may get, maybe you don't ever get used to it, but maybe you do. I don't know. Like, I wonder if you live in one of those cities, like, and you do see filming a lot, do you ever get used to it? That is a good question and a really good point. And now I have questions about how they set that whole thing up. Obviously, the outside shots were not on the burn stage, right? Do, do they don't I see, would l- go ahead do they they don't cgi the flames do they no i don't think I don't so know. i would love to have like the filming locations or whoever coordinates all that like on the podcast because i have so many questions about that kind of stuff yeah yeah if you're out there and you know who handles that stuff let us know because we've got yeah. questions and i am curious like if you do live in a major city where filming for different projects takes place quite often like LA Chicago New York I am curious like let us know like does it ever get old or like do you every time you see like a project filming are you like damn that's still cool I would like to know yeah didn't stuff film all the time when you were in DC no not all the time I think Handmaid's Tale film there yeah, but it was only it only ever be for like a day or two. It wasn't like all the time, and it's not like every week you have stuff filming there. Like they're filming some Netflix movie there. I want to say it was this week or next week, but it's like a day or two. Hmm. But like I don't remember the last time something filmed there. You know, like it's not all the time. And we I usually a- wasn't like down in that area. Like unless I was going down to that area for a reason, they're usually filming down by the mall, and I never live that way so like it wasn't like I was seeing it all the time that's true that's true we had one project film in downtown Dallas in 2015 and it was a Stephen King miniseries on Hulu so James Franco was in town for a week 
And so we actually, I worked, I worked a block away at the time and we got an email. I remember. One day. Yeah. Yeah. We got an email one day and they were like, you might hear like fake gunfire. And my coworkers were like, what the fuck? Cut to me over in the corner. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I need to go back and finish it. I watched the first episode and I never, I just started watching something else and I haven't gone back and finished it yet. Yeah. It's 112263 is uh, yep. what, what it's called. And James Franco was in town for like a week. And then that first day, like we went down to see filming, we got to see James Franco film a scene, which was like, you know, the coolest thing in the world in my book. And then I go home and on the news, it's all like, they, they do this whole segment about people bitching about how much traffic it's causing downtown. I'm like, people, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, what I saw, I guess, for this Netflix thing or whatever they're doing next week, this movie that, like, apparently, I guess they're recreating the March on Washington or whatever. So they're looking for people to be, like, extras and all that stuff. And I've already seen people bitch about, like, the street closures and stuff. And I'm like, but, like, it's also pretty cool. Like, so cool. And it's really good for the local economy. Yeah. People are always bitching. But I am curious if it gets ever gets old. Cause like, to me, I'm like, oh damn, that's so cool. I know a lot of like citizens of Chicago, you'll see some stuff on Twitter sometimes when, when the Chicago shows are filming and they shut down blocks, a lot of people get really mad. You mean like every week? Like every week. Yeah. 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 Well, you probably don't remember, but the year we were there and they were, they were filming infection. We were trying to, we were trying to like get to the point where the fans were. So we could I watch remember. Filming. And we had to go like around 20 different ways because like the streets kept being closed. Yeah. And there was a local guy just trying to get to a Starbucks or something. And he I was getting, remember that. he was getting a little pissed and we were just kind of like, bro, this is like the coolest We're just trying to find our people. Just like, just calm down, dude. It's a Sunday oh. morning. It's not like you have anything else to do. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a bummer oh, that man. people get pissed because, like, that's cool stuff. Uh, TBT. TV, TV, TV. Yep. Yep. Anyway, circling back, they do get Lexi out. She is alive. They get her to med. Will is her doctor. So, Will and, and Natalie, which, like, great pairing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Great pairing. Yeah. The Manstead's uh, working together. Now that she's gone, I see what a volatile pairing those two were. And I'm not saying their relationship was toxic. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I mean, their professional relationship. You do. It's funny how like once people leave and like once we go back and watch all these old episodes, which is why it's fun to do this. But like you do see how, like you said, like how volatile they when they work together and just like how not great sometimes Natalie's moments were. And I was like, "Mm -hmm." yeah, I don't mean their relationship, like their romantic relationship, completely separate. Their professional relationship was just like oil and water. Like it wasn't terrible in this episode, but yes, in a lot of other episodes, it's not that great. And I feel like it wasn't terrible in this one, just because there wasn't time for it. When it wasn't a med crossover, that it too. was fire PD and, you know, a little bit of med and justice. Yeah. So Lexi's burned over like 60% of her body. She's really not doing that great. Um, just a tiny little like family moment that I enjoyed was when Al introduced Meredith to Will and like, he made the point to be like, this is Jay's brother, like all in the family. Yeah. Parts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if Jay needs that reminder. Like this is Will. He's your brother. Well, yeah, that dude. He's a doctor. Kind of looks like you, not really, but like, yeah, he's your brother. Not You're real. They don't look anything alike. But like they look like they could be brothers. A little bit. Are you sure that's not like the however long they've been brothers on TV talking? Like how many years? Six years, seven yeah, years, whatever. It probably is. Eight years. <laughs> Jesus, oh, we're gonna be at season eight of med jesus christ holy shit yeah yeah anyway that's insane i digress it's insane yeah Yeah. 
Oh, goodness. God, I hope we get some Halstead Brothers scenes this season. Like, how can we not? We have to. Please. If we can get Marina on med, like, come on now. Like, Jay's right there. Jay's right there. He works with Burgess. Like, right. They they could have just switched roles in the same unit. I don't understand. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So the next morning, 51 is still on the scene and there's this moment between Bowden and Casey and Bowden's just like, how the hell does something like this happen? And Casey just goes, I really wish I knew chief. And then they take this visual, like this bird's eye visual of all these bodies laid out next to each other. And this is the part where I was like, when this aired, I found this very striking, very like sobering, and it still is very sobering and just kind of like, you know, like it stops you and you're just like, whoa, but watching this back, I wasn't as like blown away by the magnitude of what happened. And I think it's because of two things. The, the two things that I thought of that had happened in the world since then, I thought of the Travis Scott Astroworld tragedy, first off. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I thought of. The second one was the building collapse in Miami. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, they show bad things happening on this show, but then something happens in real life that is like 10 times worse. And to the point that now you're just like, oh, where stuff has happened since. So I was kind of desensitized to this, but kind of not. I was kind of surprised at that. Did you I, find that at all? No. So I actually felt the opposite. Mm. One, I think because I forgot about it. So for me, like just seeing, you know, this magnitude of like the zoom out and the moment I was like, wow, like I thought that was a chilling moment. But I think for me, the other part of this that makes it chilling is, yeah, I think it is hard when, especially since it aired in 2017, I mean, the increase in mass shootings that we've had and just all that stuff, you do become a little desensitized to it. But I think the thing that made me still feel chilling about this and the magnitude of it is very rarely do you see an image like all the bodies just in a row. And you had like the 30 something bodies that had already passed away, just like one after another after. And you could really see like, these are the people that are gone. Like they're not coming back. You like just the row of them. And like, very obviously very rarely, you see the pictures on like when something like Uvalde happens or whatever, you see like the pictures of people who've died, but obviously those are just a collage of pictures. Like, so just seeing the bodies in a row was something that a visual just, that just really got me for whatever reason. See, and that was Um, the first image I thought of when we said, we're going to do this crossover. Like that was the image. I I never forgot that image. So I don't remember that image at all. And so just, again, just seeing the bodies in a row, I was like, damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So back at Med, Mouch starts talking to a victim who recognizes him from the scene. And this is just a quick little scene, but you know, she, she feels bad because she basically had to break a window to get out and she had to step on something, which was really someone. And she just feels so bad. She has so much survivor's guilt because she's like, they might've lived had I not stepped on, stepped on them. And Mouch is just like, you don't know that they might still be alive. Like they might be okay. And so it's a nice scene. Yeah, I really thought, and because again, I I haven't seen this. I don't even remember the last time I saw this crossover. Probably when it aired, probably five years ago at this point, five and a half years ago. Um, but I really thought they were gonna have Mouch come because they had Mouch come to med, and they made this scene a point. And then I thought they were gonna tell him that like something else happened to him, you know, or blah blah. Like, and I just forgot, and I was like, it was just this. Um, but so one, I was like, kind of like, okay, well, what's the point if we like? Why did you have Mouch go through all this stuff at med if you like didn't follow up on it? But then also too, like, I just, I, I don't know. I love a good mouch scene. Like, yeah. I, and especially when it's not comedic, like when you actually get to see like 
Mouch being good with people. You know, it just, mwah. it's so good. Mouch is so just, he's, he's so compassionate and like intuitive. It just, when they show it, it's always wonderful. Well, and they always usually give him moments in crossovers too. Cause obviously if you remember then season seven is when we get all the Ritter stuff and how good he is with Ritter and yeah. like, it's just, it's so good. It's so good. We had that season a couple seasons ago where it was just like the Mouch appreciation season. That was season great. nine. Yeah. Oh, I love season nine. Still, I think my favorite season, but yeah. Yeah. Fucking love that season. So Burgess shows up at Med and checks in without because again, this is this is season four of PD. So she Burgess- literally just joined like six episodes ago, Intelligence. She's brand spanking new to intelligence. She is so green. And and you can just tell from her demeanor when she shows up at Met, like she's still like, she doesn't really know like how to conduct herself, what to say, what to do. And in the first couple episodes, when she joins intelligence, Al is really hard on her. He's an asshole. He really is. That Bryna said it. I thought it, she said it, but I mean, it's true though. He slut shames her. Yeah. I mean, he's a total asshole to her. And yeah, and she, but it's still, I think it says a lot about Kim too, that like she still went and like, obviously, I mean, his kids we don't know you know whether she's gonna survive or not at this point but like still it's just it says a lot about kim and who kim is as a person that she like put how he acted to her her aside and like went to the hospital with him the fact that kim is brand new in intelligence and she doesn't know what to do except like she just knows that her partner's hurting so she has to be where her partner is that's like Mm -hmm. the one thing she knows in that moment so yeah it it does indeed say a lot about a lot about kim for sure Yeah. And so she shows up at med and she checks in with Al. And again, like she just, she doesn't know what to do. She just, she just does, you know, she's mm-hmm. just like, can I get you anything? Can I do anything for you? Like, what do you need? So Will and Nat come out to give him an update. Lexi's on event. They're going to watch her closely. Like it's not going well. So Al goes in to be with Lexi. And this is like a very rare, like tender moment we get with Al and just, he's, you know. Oh, he's yeah. like, Hey, sweet girl kills me mm-hmm. kills me kills me yep yeah oh so sad so 51 is still at the scene of the fire and so Voight and hubble from ofi and then commander crowley from pd they all arrive on scene tbt oh da- big time tbt i enjoyed the old school like they took the aerial shot and then you see like the suv like speed on in. i was like oh shit's getting real now Voight's here oh shit <laughs> oh and i was also just like hubble like this was the four van meter forgot yeah. about that commander crowley i mean i remember her but like obviously like that was like a long time ago at this point it's just like tbt mm-hmm. for sure for sure so the like cpd is ready to or no i'm sorry CFD, who's ready to release the scene to OFI? Fire. Fire. There you go. They're ready to release the scene to OFI. And so uh, the the person from OFI at that point, she's like, Are you, Kelly, do you want to join me? And he's like, fuck yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, of course. So everybody gets back to 51. It's a very somber scene. They're all just kind of sitting there like regrouping. Presumably they've been awake all night. And so they've seen some horrible stuff. So Marcy, the new girl, she's trying to like lighten the mood. She's like, you guys should eat something. And Stella's like, yeah, we're probably not hungry. Like good try, but she still starts trying to make food anyway. So that's sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Gabby and Brett start talking about this kid they met who was looking for the girl that he danced with who was wearing a pink dress. This was a cute little like love story. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so Herman mentions, he's like, well, we helped a girl with a pink dress. And he's like, I don't remember her name, but Casey does. So like, we'll, we'll talk to him. So Bowden and Casey are still on scene when the building owner shows up to pay his respects. And this scene is a hot mess is what this is. So first off, he's walking, he walks through the crowd of protesters. Like you own this building, you know, these people are not happy. You walk through the crowd of protesters. And then he like gets to the corner and the cop who's like trying to direct him through the scene, he legit like stands back and lets a protester get in front of him and just deck him. Yeah. Well, he like tries to pay his respects, but it's like, how sincere is that really? There are so many questions with this building owner because like it just all goes to shit. Yeah. It, it falls apart. Yeah. So he starts getting attacked by the victim's loved ones, probably because he took a moment to stand there and linger in the crowd of protesters instead of like, get out. out there yeah yeah and so yeah he gets punched whenever casey gets in there to break up the fight it's a giant mess it's a giant preventable mess so they go back to 51 and Bowden and hubble start questioning him and so this guy's like listen like i knew people were living there uh but you know they they, they had rent so cheap and rent in chicago are just so ridiculous right now i wanted to make sure they had a space to create their art and live and everything and he knew that the building wasn't up to code, but he, again, he just didn't want to get rid of it. He's like, this was my grandfather's factory. What was I supposed to do? And Casey's just like, get the thing up to code. Like, he's like, are you a fucking idiot? Yeah. And, and that, that was my question too. I was like, this is negligence to like the thousandth degree. Like you can't just buy a building and then just be like, sure, occupy it. I don't know what's going to happen or if it's safe, but go for it. You can't right. do it's that. Like, it's great that you want to help people and you can still do that, but you've got to have it be safe. I had many a law school final based upon this type of, type of premise where like somebody has something and somebody got hurt on it, like find all the causes of action. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Can't do that. So they're, they're like, okay, well, you need to make a list of your tenants and like who would have had access to the building and all that good stuff. And so uh, meanwhile, Severide is working with Susie from OFI and they're, you know, they're in the, the, the warehouse and he notices this really funky burn pattern, which like, I love when Kelly talks arson. I have no I clue what he's know. saying, but I love it. We got to go back and find what is the first arson Kate or Severide worked and we have like we need to do that episode yeah if you guys know off the top of your heads let us know because i don't really want to go through searching like five seasons of episodes but like let us know because this has to be like i don't think he worked that many in the early days no it was more rare now he works on like every third episode but like in the early days he didn't work it as much i love when he talks arson like i don't know what he's saying half the time about like different chemicals and shit but i'm just like yes yes go on like i still really want to see severide and violet work in arson i know yeah it needs to be at like some lab oh it, it, you know what really was a missed opportunity violet or being around during the infection days the mm. infection crossover that's a real missed opportunity for sure, for sure. And she would have thrived. She would have thrived in the lab with Will or something like that. Mm-hmm. She would have thrived. Yeah. So you just got the only preview you're going to get of our wish list episode because I think that's a wish on both of our lists for Severide and Violet to work in arson together. I need it. I need it. She would like she would blow Severide away too. Like the thing she knows, Severide would be like, How do you know that? But uh, yeah, it would be amazing. Just need it need, need it. it need it need or if it. somebody wanted to write that fic i would read it oh i'd read the hell out of it yeah yep yep read the hell out of it 
So Kelly pulls back the couch and he finds something and that's, we just kind of leave it there. But once we get into the specifics of this incendiary device, air quotes, like we've got to talk about this because it's just bananas. So meanwhile, Gabby and Brett go visit the boy from earlier and they're like, hey, we know the girl's name. Let's just play you the clip. When I was dancing with that girl, with Kathy, I was thinking, I am going to remember this night. Now everyone will. We'll let you know as soon as we find anything out, okay? Something good has to come out of what happened there, right? We'll find her? Yeah. Something about the line when he's like, you know, he's like, I was dancing with that girl, Kathy. He's like, all I was thinking was, I'm going to remember this night and now everyone will. Oh, man. Again, that's another moment for me that like a small moment, but I was like, damn, like just something about that line just really stuck with me when I was rewatching. I was like, oh, fuck. I just like his motto of the holding how he's like something good has to come out of that night. Yeah. Like if he doesn't say that, then this whole side plot is pointless. Yeah. And it, obviously it does. But like, yeah, it was just something about the line of like, I, you know, when you're you because you have those moments sometimes when something bad happens, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a great night. And then it turns to shit and it's like, oh, fuck. Mm hmm. And like, obviously that's for you, but then there are sometimes things that happen that affect other people and they remember for it, you know, for either good or bad reasons. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, for sure. I've been on a big real world kick, which was a show that was big when I was a wee little teenager. And I found old episodes of the real world Chicago, which was like one of the best seasons. For some reason, it's not on Paramount Plus, drives me nuts, but that's the, that's the year of 9-11. Like that's the season when 9-11 happens. And one of the castmates, mm. Anissa, her birthday is September 11th. So on that, on that, that episode, she's just like, this used to be like a great day. And now for the rest of my life, it's going to be associated with that. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's, it's just like crazy, crazy. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I digressed again. I keep trying not to do that and then I do it, but whatever. It's fine. <sighs> okay. So back at 51, the owner of the building, like the Bowden and, and the girl from OFI, like they're pressing him. The woman from OFI, she does say something where she's like all 30 something of these deaths like are on you. This is your fault. And Bowden's like easy. Yeah. So then the owner of the building, he's like, can I, can I run to the bathroom real fast? Can you tell me where that is? The minute he runs to the bathroom, I'm like, fuck, I know exactly where this is going. Yeah. Exactly. I've forgotten that it happened, but I do. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. So they're like having a normal conversation. There's a gunshot and the owner of the building died by suicide. Yep. Which like, if you had, he had nothing to do with it though. Like it's, I have that plot wise. I'm like, why? Well, I guess it's because he felt guilty because, well, it really doesn't have much to do with anything. And I guess that's something we can talk to you about when we get into the PD part. But, like, the actual, like, criminal part of the case mm -hmm. doesn't really make, like, it's not that great. I suppose he would have some sort of charge for negligence, for sure. Right. Because in the beginning, they make you seem, it seem like he's the one behind it, right? That, like, because he you know, either skipped out on the insurance or whatever, like, he's the reason why this happened. But as we learned out by the end, he's not, and it has nothing really to do with each other. So like, why did we have to go through all this? Yeah. Like I said, the criminal part of this whole thing is a little weak. 
I don't know if I, I I see. And on rewatch, I found the criminal part of this a lot more captivating than I did the first time. Oh, I did not. I, by the end, especially by just because justice is also justice. But like by the end, I was like, I don't care. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So then there's a press conference at 51 and this is held by Mark Jeffries. Good job remembering the character's name. I just know him as Carl Weathers. I didn't. I had to Wikipedia it the whole time. The whole time I watched the Justice episode, I had the Wikipedia page up. (laughs) So yeah, Mark Jeffries is there and he's like, you know, despite the owner killing himself, like this investigation is continuing on. And he just says, he's like, our city and our people are stronger when they come together. Cut to the next episode of Justice when they're trying to try out water for murder. But, you know, it's cool. Yeah, we'll get there. I can't forgive it. I just can't forgive it. Yeah. Can't do it. So after the press conference, a set of parents, they come by and they thank Casey for saving their daughter's life. And they invite everybody to their Polish deli. And it's named after their daughter, whose name happens to be Kathy. So Gabby and Brett give each other a look and they're able to reunite the two, which is sweet. So sweet. Yeah, that is sweet. I wonder, like, in, in the white space, like, what, did they last? Like, what happened? I'm curious. They, I was just thinking about that, but like, it's for the sake of something good coming out of this day, I hope so. I hope so too. That is why okay. we have the white space. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So then Severed gets back to 51 and he shows Bowden and Casey what he and Susie found at the scene. And this is the part where I was just like, I'm sorry, what? Okay. So they found like the neck of like a light bulb or something on the scene. So he basically explains that you take a light bulb and you fill it with fuel, right? And then you put an oxidizer inside of a paper bag. And the oxidizer can be as simple as kitty litter, right? Mm -hmm. And you step on the light bulb and it causes a chemical reaction that causes things to light on fire. But the thing that blows my mind here is that Severite's like, okay, well, you put a fuel inside the light bulb, you know, whether it's actual fuel or cooking oil. So you're telling me if I'm a cat owner and I take kitty litter and like just happen to like vegetable oil just happens to like spill on it or something that I'm going to cause a fire? No, I think it has something to do with like, again, I don't know how a light bulb works exactly, <laughs> like the actual science behind a light bulb, but it has something I think to do with like, the electric currents obviously the light bulb's not plugged in so like again science i don't know but like it has something to do with that i don't think if you just took cooking oil and kitty litter you're gonna mix it together in a bowl if you mixed it together in a bowl i don't think you're gonna cause a fire do not experiment with that listeners do not (laughs) i I think it has to do with like the light bulb like the thing that actually conducts electricity mixing with it okay if that makes sense Susie does mention the chemical reaction so that's why I was like wait if oil and kitty litter touch do they just go up in flames no I don't think if you took them and mixed them in a bowl you're gonna then like combust your kitchen I don't think that's how this goes (laughs) oh no we are not responsible for any kitchens that combust in the next uh couple weeks after hearing this episode yeah don't do it guys please don't just don't yeah, so it's an incendiary device. It's it's a timing device, which like the things that Kelly knows about arson just like blows my mind. It's wild. It's just yeah, it's wild. Like 
I this this is not nearly as like mind blowing as the uh, the hair gel one with the pillowcase that just ignited. Like that was. Crazy. Oh yeah, that one was crazy. This one was crazy too, though. The fact that like he knows he's like, oh, you just take a light bulb, fill it with this, put it in this bag, and then boom. Like again, it's more just like I just yeah. We really need to find whatever Kelly's first arson that we actually saw him work was. We need to rewatch it. Do you think he's like really studied arson like through the academy and everything or is, does he just know all this stuff from like stories from Benny? I think it's a combination of both. God, it's so good. I think it's a combination of both. And then watching this watching this back when he's like talking about it I'm just like, man, I'm like we really did bitch a little bit that we had so much arson severide last season. What is wrong with us? We did, it was a lot though. And when that's the only thing Severide had going for him last season, it was a lot. But it's so good. We need to go back to like once or twice a season so we can really like appreciate it. I didn't hate it. Yes, you did. I mean, <laughs> by the end, yes, you did. Okay. Present early August, Gina, I think just misses everybody so i'll take whatever ofi severite i can get i think like in in season gina probably is like yeah no like not as much but hiatus gina is like i miss them terribly yeah yeah so then the episode ends we cut to med and al is reading let's see alice in wonderland by her bedside which is so sweet um and he even tells burgess he's like she was alice every year for halloween until she was eight yeah sweet so Voight comes to visit Lexi and Bowden finds him to tell him about what OFI found. And the episode ends with Lexi crashing. And that is the fire portion. Just st- as a standalone, I thought it was kind of disjointed. But again, it's, it's one, it's like a third of like the whole piece, right? So, you know. Like I said, this was my favorite of the three. Really? Yeah. The so what pd was your favorite i mean i can't say justice uh yeah so the, P- the pd portion was probably my favorite okay well speaking of pd <laughs> so pd picks up right where fire left off so basically meredith shows up and will comes out and tells them that like they had to make incisions where she had burns to help her breathe and like you had just mentioned obviously boy just showed up at the hospital and out basically tells wait he's like you find whoever set that fire and i want him alone which like again the police brutality stuff in this episode not that great does not hold up too much too does much. not hold up does not hold up yeah so we're back at the scene now with the fire and antonio and peter roll up because again justice crossover antonio is now over on justice which like We'll get to. What we'll the get hell to. made Antonio like leave intelligence? What on earth about that job could have possibly been attractive to him? Like, I have questions. Mm, yeah. So Peter tells Boyd, he's like, you know, whatever they need, the state's attorney's office is there for them. He's also like, but yeah, despite Lexi being among the injured, like, you got to have a case that's legit and tight. Like, it's got to be legit. And Boyd's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We'll get more into Peter Stone, but like he is the like he is the epitome of like why I hate attorneys, and I say that I say that all the time. I'm like, oh god, I hate lawyers as like, a lawyer. As a lawyer, I am a lawyer, and I say that like I hate them. Like the look of like gives him at that point. It just it's it's like no shit. You need the case to be tight. Like no shit. 
we'll get more into stone but he See, that really didn't bother me though because Boyk knows that he's not it, with Lexi involved he's not gonna care yeah as long as he gets it at, as long as he knows that he's got the guy like he doesn't care if it's like legit and tight you know well, because Boyd at stone, that point would take care of himself. Yeah, I, I stone, stone annoyed the crap out of me, but we'll, we'll get more into that. Go ahead. Yeah. So Severide shows Voight the front door that they thought was just locked when they arrived on scene. Turns out someone actually jammed some metal wedges under the door when they left the building. So they were like purposely locking people in. Again, just little details. Mm-hmm. So we're back in the bullpen and Rusa gets a call from a parole officer. This parole officer has an ex-con named Nathan Delano who did time for arson and homicide who like didn't check in yesterday and lives very close to the factory. So of course, seems like a good place to start. So they go check, intelligence goes and checks it out and they start getting shot at. Um, They end up tracking down the guy before he gets away, but turns out it's not this guy named Delano. And like this guy whose name is Lane Cromwell, apparently spits in kevin's pace and i love that kevin just went straight for the punch it's well, like I, not I great that... police brutality moment but i was like um as a character moment it's great i love that they panned to rusik and he was like oh no no he's no. like yeah yeah no. he's like he's like that was a wrong choice wrong also choice, dude. something you would never see in 2022 because covid <laughs> yeah i hadn't even thought about that but yeah, yeah. true uh like I said man is lame cromwell who happens to be Nathan's cellmate in prison. Lots of cage mentions in this episode. Like, lots of cage mentions. So, Voight puts this guy in the cage, and he won't give up where Nathan is at first. Um, he finally admits eventually that, like, he doesn't know where Nathan is. Like, Nathan just left and packed, packed a bag and, like, took off somewhere. And he doesn't really know whether Nathan's the one behind torching the warehouse or not. So... Again, back in the bullpen, they don't really have much to go off of because the owner of the warehouse has killed himself at this point. But they're like, it's a good guess that if Delano's previous arson was killing a family member, then he probably knew someone inside the building, inside the warehouse at the time it went up in flames. And Aaron just happens to notice that a few months ago, the owner, whose name I can't remember, but it doesn't really matter. Kimball. Yes, Kimball. Um took out some extra insurance on the building. So she's like, well, maybe it was the scam and this, he was involved and that's why he killed himself. There's lots of theories going around at this point. Um, They go check in with Kimball's girlfriend and she doesn't really know much except that like he was being threatened supposedly, you know, but she doesn't know why or for what or whatever. And so while Aaron and Jay are out, they get a hit on Delano's car. Jay chases after him and like shoots him dead. But like, you know, so of course now they can't get anything out of Delano. So we're back at square one. They end up getting a, like a backslash side shot of the arsonist from a cell phone video that they were pulling from the fire. And it doesn't seem like it matches Delano's profile. So they're like, okay, this isn't our guy either. So Kevin gets a call from his CI and his CI has some information where basically Kimball reached out to him for some help and said some na- dude named KD was trying to shake him down, apparently. Um, Kevin gets pissed at him too. Yeah, because the CI, he, Kevin calls his CI that morning and then it's like hours later when the guy comes to him with information. He's like, dude, you knew this when I called you. Like, why didn't you just tell me? Mm-hmm. So now we're looking for some dude named Katie. 
So we're back at med and this is like the moment. So we're back at med. Lexi ends up crashing and, you know, Nat and Will are able to bring her back, but she's in multi-organ failure at this point. And Al or Will's in the waiting room and Al comes up to him is like, you know, just like, give it to me straight. Like, you know, I can, he's like, I can handle it. He's like, I just need to know. He's like, give it to me straight. And Will basically tells him this. And then it leads us to Al and Meredith going in and saying their goodbyes to Lexi. And it's just like, I forgot they actually showed us Lexi dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, so it's, sad. it's brutal. It's brutal. It's hard to watch. And like, they just, they don't know what to do aside from just like, hold on to her for dear life. It's so sad. It's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to see someone you love, you know, dying. It's, it's really, it's really hard to watch. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to watch. Um, They still don't, intelligence really still doesn't have a lot to go on though. And so, but Platt's up there working in the bullpen with them, which I love when she works up there in the bullpen with them. Me too. More of that, please. Yes. Um, and she mentions that a woman named Claire Burke has made over 40 suspicious persons calls regarding the warehouse. And she just so happens to live around the corner. So Aaron and Jay go to pay her a visit. But what kills me about this scene is like as they're walking out to go to this woman's house, Aaron moves Lexi's picture from the victim board to the deceased board. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, emotional dagger. Well, the other thing that kills me too is, I mean, when Voight comes out and there's that moment, Voight's just like Lexi died 20 minutes ago. Like Aaron, like holds on to yeah, the Yeah, she like grabs the tape. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, again, this is just a reflection of how just completely green Kim is and how she's just so new to the unit, how like she's, she's choked up as she's giving the update. Like Voight's just like, so where are we at? We'll mourn later. And she's like, oh yeah, uh, right. Absolutely. It and is also a different on. situation. I don't think it's, I mean, I think it is a little bit of Kim being green, but it's also a different situation. Like when in this case, her partner, but also just her coworker's daughter just died because exactly. of a terrible mass incident. It's like, I think anyone would have been shaken, whether you've had 20 years on the job or like you're two months on the job. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah. I mean, you compare that Kim to Kim now, though. I think she she probably doesn't react the same way. I mean, she's, she's been yeah. hardened. Depending on the situation. Yeah. Depending on what, it, I mean, yeah, I think depending on what it was, but yeah. Um, and so Aaron and Jay go visit this woman named Claire. And this whole scene is hysterical because she is like very upset with police officers because she just feels like all of her comments are being taken. They're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, it's a crazy woman calling about a suspicious people. Okay, whatever. She just like pokes at Jay a lot. And it's just really funny. So now you're interrupting people. Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> and it's just funny because obviously we of course we have sassy jay but like jay can't be sassy with her it's just it's really funny (laughs) um so claire tells them though that she saw like a younger guy having a heated conversation with the owner the night before the fire and she had license plates numbers and any everything so they run it and it comes back to a Cade davis they track Cade down and bring him in and he admits try, trying to get Kimball out of money, but he's like, I didn't start the arson. He's like, that wasn't me. And so they, like, are feeling defeated again because they feel like they keep going back to, like, square one, square one, square one. And, like, Al is watching all of this from the room next door. You know, the little, I don't know what to call it. The like secret the, the observation magic. Room? Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, And Jay's in there, too. And as Al leaves to walk out, 
he tells Jay to thank Will for him. He's like, he operated on Lexi. He's like, I know he gave it everything he had, but Will's not a surgeon at med. I know, but Al's, Al's grieving. I think he's just like, he's no, I know. I'm just saying that's a writing thing though, because yes, Will did do plastic surgery before coming to med, but he's not a surgeon at med. No, the last time we saw that man in an OR was in the forbidden episode that we will never cover on the podcast. Yeah, no, but like, he's not a surgeon at med. He's an attending emergency room physician. I know, but like Al's, Al's grieving. Okay. Like he just said it. No, I'm not saying no. I, I obviously I'm sure it happened. He operated on Lexi, whatever, you know, yada, yada, yada. But like, I'm just saying the writing, like I know. that's, it's an error. The continuity error that could have just been an Elias decision that could have just been like the take they used and Elias just happened to say that I don't know but anyway it was just something I was like Will is not a surgeon he's I not do, a surgeon at med I know I I do love the, the the way Jay responds because it's 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 very Jay right he looks kind of just like surprised uh, but but you know uh, yeah, he just, he looks really surprised. Like, he doesn't really know what to say, but he just says, like, I will. Yeah. Like, like, really surprised. Just like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I think he probably doesn't expect Al to be thinking of someone else when he just lost his daughter. Yeah. And in this moment, he's thinking of Will and thinking Will, and it's like, oh. Like, the fact that you're thinking of something else, is, I think it was just kind of a shock to Jay. You know what was interesting to me was how in the middle of this episode, like, Al just shows up in the bullpen. And I think that was prior to this, that he just kind of shows up. And I it just makes me wonder, because Hank's just like, you know, go home, like, go be with Meredith. Well, I realized that was probably his way of grieving was that, like, he had to be in the bullpen. But, like, where was Meredith getting the support she needed in, in, in this moment? I'm not faulting Al. I'm just saying like, was she, was she getting the support she needed in this whole process? I don't know. I mean, you know, and at this point they're not together, right? Meredith and Al are not together at this point. So like, I don't know. It's a great question. The only child just died a horrible death. I know, but like you said, everyone grieves very differently. You know, I mean, not saying it was a great choice for Al to be, in the bullpen and not with his ex-wife but still i'm just you know right um but basically this all kind of ends up concluding because aaron and kim go pay a visit to a victim at med who has just woken up and she wants to talk and she gives them more details about the guy who started the arson she mentions like a skull ring or like a spider ring or something like that in addition to the jacket emblem they had noticed like she gives them more details and they can start putting it together um she can't pull him out of a lineup because she has i don't think she's gone blind maybe but she's definitely had an injury to her face and she right now cannot see Mm -hmm. so she cannot actually identify one she they that's literally all she can go off of right now yeah but it's more than they had before so Later that night, they're having a memorial outside the warehouse, and all of intelligence is there. And they go, I mean, obviously in part to, like, grieve with everyone, but also because I think they get the idea that, like, if the guy is sick enough that, like, he want to go back to the scene of the crime and, you know, thrive off that. They've had that a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, while they're there, Aaron sees the arsonist, and so they start following him. And they end up, they arrest him. His name's Dylan. They bring him in. Again, put him in the cage, you know, all this thing. And Al comes down and, you know, from the bullpen. 
and wants Voight to turn over the keys and just like leave him alone. And we're gonna play this. Oh. Heard you had a suspect. Wanted to check in. There he is. He confessed. Okay. To who? Me. The way Voight makes things up about how the rules apply to everybody else but him, it drives me insane. Like the justification yeah. he makes about the Justin thing in this moment, I'm just like, oh, ooh, yeah. you make me so mad. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's again, okay not- that you killed Justin's killer because it was just one family affected. You can't kill this guy because there's 39 people affected. Right. And not saying that it's right in either situation because it's not. I mean, justice was served in the right way. You know, like Al shouldn't be killing the guy either. No. But yes, Voight's justification for it is terrible. The worst. is terrible. Mm-hmm. And so Antonio shows up because, of course, Antonio has a new job at the DA's office. And... He, you know, was like, okay, so like, what's going on? Fill me in, whatever. And Al just says, he's like, yeah, he confessed. And Antonio's like, because Antonio obviously having just worked with them, Antonio's like, okay. And Voight's like, yeah, he confessed. And Antonio's just like, okay, then. And I mean, the episode ends with Antonio taking him into custody, this Dylan guy into custody, but it's like, Jesus Christ forgot about that yeah completely forgot so when they're taking him out of intelligence i'm like the whole trial is based upon the fact that this guy confessed when he didn't oh my god yeah and i'll say he's not guilty but yeah he did not confess and like antonio just like antonio knows but like he can't say anything and the fact that he doesn't i'm just like antonio what are you doing Yeah, antonio knows that he didn't really confess but he can't say it because boy al told him he could you know it's like a whole thing yeah uh, yeah 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 so bad and that takes us into justice oh jesus i'm gonna say something that's gonna shock a lot of people i didn't like actually shock people or like fake shock people no it's gonna shock people i didn't hate this as much as i remembered <laughs> i still didn't like it this i actually thought this was kind of good uh, i don't know maybe it's just like it's been five years, right? And it's not like a Thursday night and this is not the last episode. It's the middle of the day and I'm watching No, this. but remember Justice, I don't remember this episode particularly, but remember Justice used to air on Sundays. No, but this one, this was the first they one They aired ever. on Thursday? This aired that night, the night of the crossover. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. the Kevin one aired that Sunday? That Sunday. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So this is what Amazon considers to be the pilot pilot. Well, because it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the night this aired, you know, it was five years ago. I think we had all been very on a very big emotional roller coaster. We were just like, oh my God, like Lexi's dead. Al's grieving. Nobody's okay. And so for them to expect us to digest the last hour of them just sitting in a courtroom, it was too much to ask. I still, and I think the reason I, I honestly watching back, I don't think I thought it was like as terrible as episode two. I mean, episode two, it's like, it's just not great. I still don't like, I think there's two things that I realized in this episode. One, I don't like half the characters. I don't care for Jeffries. I don't care for Laura. Peter's, eh. But like, so when you really got, they got five main characters at this point and I don't like half of them. Not that great. And also, I think I just really realized I don't like courtroom stuff. 
Like, I thought this was so boring. I thought Fair. this just not even like, not even because it was bad, like writing or anything. I was just like, wow, this is not what I want to watch. See, okay, and and that's fair. The legal shows captivate me in a way that they don't captivate everybody, and I realize that it's just because I understand the skill set. And I could, like I said, I took one law class in college, and I enjoyed it more than I thought I was. But it's not what I want to watch all the time. It's not something that captivates me. Like I was like, this is not what I want to watch. Like, okay, yeah, I just I'm happy to see it at PD and with like. Yeah, they arrested him. Like, he's going to go to jail for a long time. And, like, that's it. Like, I'm okay with that. I don't need to go through the trials right. stuff. Right. So, so like, the episode with the boring. Yates trial, were you just, like, bored shitless? With the what trial? The Yates trial when uh, on, on SVU when after he killed Nadia. I don't think I watched this. Well, maybe I did watch the SVU part. I think. I don't even remember. But, yeah, I don't, like, any time in even the backdoor pilot for Justice. Mm-hmm like the on the pd part i don't like it you can't passively watch a courtroom show that's the thing is that you can't you yeah. can't sit back and just passively watch it and be entertained by both the visual and the audio you've got to pay close attention anytime they've done like a courtroom like a major courtroom stuff like even i'm thinking about the episode with the cancer like the cancer crossover mm-hmm. and we have that whole courtroom like i just i don't care about it like that's not ever been my favorite part of any show is the courtroom stuff. I just don't care. The Justice Backdoor pilot was when Roman got shot, wasn't it? Yeah, because Kim ends up on the stand. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 Peter Stone tries to slut shame her too. Yeah, and I don't care. Like that whole backdoor pilot is like boring AF to me. I get it. I get it. I remember seeing this this episode and just being like, okay, this was not a good start. Like maybe the second episode will be good. And then the second episode happened. And I was like, See, what the and fuck? I don't remember my reaction to like this episode. I remember obviously episode two being like, hell no, like no mm-hmm. way. Um, and then I think I maybe watched three and I was like, I can't do this. This is not that great. Um, but I don't remember what I thought about this like originally, but like this one, I just, again, courtroom shows do not do it for me and i hate half the characters and hating half the characters in your first episode not a great start when you only have five of them i i watched this episode i rewatched it and i was just like you know what this isn't as bad as i remember but i did come out of it being like i freaking can't stand peter stone like i kind of hate him like more more so than i did when he wasn't even my worst part you hated him after this he like Yes. And we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But okay. He drove me nuts. So, okay. So we start this justice episode, Peter and Anna, Anna played by Monica Barbaro. Remember, remember her? She was the best part. I mean, well, obviously Antonio, because John Seda is like the best part about it, but like she's the next best part for sure. I didn't remember her character name and people shipped her with Antonio. I remember that. We talk about, we talk about her. Well, we've talked about her more. She's the best part beyond Antonio. But yes. Yeah. So Peter and Anna are being, they're being questioned by the media on their way into the office and they cut to them at the bond hearing for Dylan. So Dylan got arrested. The very first thing that happens is he gets arraigned and then they have a bond hearing, which basically determines how much his bail is. Okay. So he's waived counsel, which like that is your first indication that like this guy is up to no good. You never, never never don't never represent yourself just like it's the worst thing you could do because lawyers know things and they're strategic and they know their way around things and like just 
no so just don't he, just don't just don't so he's just like all we're doing is determining my bond right he's like cool I, I don't need an attorney i waive my right to it and the judge is like fine like no bond for you okay cool so anna peter and jeffries they're walking down the hall talking about this case and peter has his doubts about dylan confessing even though it's what boy claims we'll just play the clip she described his ring and his coat he was wearing both when he was arrested why because he's a monster someone kills 39 kids and injures god knows how many more you're damn right he's a monster the problem is juries can't accept it it's out of their comfort zone but you give them a big fat juicy why and they'll crawl into their beds close their eyes and drift off thinking they're actually safe i'll put dawson and nagel on it oh and peter enormous tragedies make career cases you win this one it could make your career you lose it could destroy mine see after this whole moment i was like fuck jeffries i was like i get it i get it like i understand it but like in this moment like i get it because this whole line about like enormous tragedies make career cases like you win this one it'll make your career you lose it it'll destroy mine i was like really dude like that's not the priority at this point reason number one why i hate lawyers yeah because and again like I get it. Like, that is how a lot of lawyers are. Like, I was like, I get it. But also, like, fuck you, Jeffries. I was like, I, no. I I hate it because, I mean, a, it, it's a product of the system, right? The system is super broken. We could have a whole other podcast about that. But it's like you're playing a giant game. That's exactly what it is. Trial is just a ginormous game. And it's all about who plays the rules better. Like, or not who plays the rules, but who plays it better. Um, yeah. Charlie and I just watched a documentary on the OJ Simpson trial not too long ago and all about how, you know, he ended up getting acquitted and everything. Cause I was like seven when the case happened. So all I was pissed about was missing power Rangers, not knowing like the case, but watching it back now, I was just like, Oh, like the prosecution fumbled the ball. That's what happened is that the defense played the game better. That's all that happened. Did you ever watch the American crime story on that? I haven't yet. I've been meaning to, I heard it was really good. good. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to, I've been kind of working my way through a couple different shows. I did not like Abbott elementary. That was not my thing. So, uh, I tried it, but it, I also, I'm not a comedy person. So I knew I wasn't probably going to buy it with it. I did just start the resort on Peacock. Um, it's got Kristen Milioti and William Jackson Harper from the good place. Not bad, hmm. not bad so far, but anyway, besides the point, but yes, the legal system. I mean, the, the trial is a game. That's a, that's all it is. It's, it's a game and everybody else, you're all game pieces on the system. That is the biggest yes. reason why I got out of practicing is because I felt like a pawn in a game. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're not trying to, you're not trying to do the best for your client. You're trying to do what's best for you to make you like yourself, make yourself look better basically. And like make you shine in your career, but really you're playing with people's lives. Well, and they really drive. I feel like that whole idea home in this episode, mm-hmm. like everything. Cause the, obviously the way that I can't remember Bradley Whitford's character's name, mm-hmm. But his whole character is, I mean, that is the whole point of his character in this episode is that everything he does is just a game. Like, he doesn't really care whether he's guilty or not. Like, it's just going to be a game and how he can manipulate the system to make it look like his client isn't guilty. Bingo. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So for Jeffries to say, like, if you if you win, it'll make your career. If you lose, it'll destroy mine. That is just ignorant. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so it's tone deaf. Cause like, yeah, you're, you're somebody's life is at fate. Like that's what, that's your game piece. That's what you're playing with. Right. And it's not even like 
he just said the first part because a lot of times in TV shows, characters say the something along the lines of the first part, like right, like do this right and it'll make your career mm-hmm. and as a way to put pressure on them, which like is still not great, but okay, fine. Like put the pressure on the guy. Like win this one, it'll make your career. You'll be the best thing ever, you know, since sliced bread. Okay, cool, whatever. But like for then you to turn it around and be like, but if you lose it, it's gonna destroy mine. It's like fuck you, like. You didn't make it about him to then make it about you. Like, that's not how this goes. And the facts are the facts. Like, yep. We had we just had a whole political administration that was based on bending the truth. And we saw how much good that did, didn't we? Uh, yep. And how damaging that was. Like that, it just uh, we have struck a nerve. I am sorry. That is just that's all I'm I'm it on is my kind of crazy though, now that you say that to like think about where we were. In 2017, like in spring of 2017, when this would have aired mm-hmm. and like what's changed since then in that regard. A lot of stuff has changed. Yep. And we were in the middle of it at that point. So we. It was no, we were in the beginning of it. Spring 2017. Yep. It had just happened. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like. Yeah. 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 It's probably a good thing this show got canceled because it would trigger me every single week if it didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Al stops by to see Antonio. I've got a lot more ranting in me, just be forewarned. So Al stops by to see Antonio and Laura, not Antonio's ex-wife, walks in and starts complaining about her kid before she realizes that Al's there. So this is Laura, Antonio's partner, not Laura, Antonio's ex-wife. I think it's her last name. Yeah. Yeah. Also the other character I hate with a burning passion. She just like doesn't add anything. She's just there. I just, I don't like her. And like our first introduction to her is her being like bitching about her kid. Okay. Well, and then it, isn't it in the second episode? I don't remember, but like, isn't she one of the ones that like pushes them to like go after Kevin or something? Like, it's just like, what are you doing? Who yeah. are you? Just, just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Yeah. So she starts complaining about her kid and then she realizes Al's there and she's just like, oops. So Al pulls Antonio to the side to talk and he straight up asks asks Al, he's like, did Dylan really confess? And all Al can say, he's like, that son of a bitch, he killed Lexi. So that's all I can say. So Antonio goes back to his desk and Laura starts giving him crap about the confession. Excuse you, ma'am, you just got here. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I'm all for being a team player, but like, I just want to know which team I'm on before the game starts. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. You're on Antonio's team. That's like, yeah. I, again, I don't like her. I don't like her either. I don't like her either. So Antonio and Laura, they go see Dylan's parents and his mom is very upset, but the dad is just like annoyed as fuck. He's just like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you here? What are you doing? Like, why are all the media outside? Like he, yeah, he is not. Yeah. So the mom is like, I was surprised that he even went to a rave. Like he was mostly glued to his computer all day doing like data processing, like whatever that is. And so Antonio goes to Peter's office when they get back. And this is where like my Peter Stone hatred like goes through the roof. So he tells him, he's like, we didn't really learn very much from the parents, but like, I personally didn't hear the confession. And then this happens. The confession. I didn't actually hear it. Who did? Wojan Alinsky. <laughs> yeah. Truth be told, I was waiting for you to come to me. I just didn't expect it would take you 24 hours. Alinsky's daughter died in that fire. I figured maybe he's entitled to what? 
Revenge? Yeah, one lie like this could destroy my entire case. Your case? It's his kid. Fine. Okay, so we combine this. So Anna interrupts them and is like, hey, Dylan's lawyer is making a motion to suppress the confession. And Peter's just like, what? Why? You went to law school, you should know, you know. So Peter meets up with Voight outside and Voight's just like, let me take the stand, let me take the stand. And Peter holds back. These two scenes together make me like crazy because Peter is so fucking dramatic. He's so dramatic and he's a mansplainer. Like, there are bits and pieces in this conversation with both, both of these scenes where I'm just like, shut up, shut up. He's like, I'm going to do this case right. And I'm going to bring justice. Calm the fuck down. Calm the fuck down. You are going to do your job. You're going to be the prosecutor and you're, you're going to try the case. And if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. That is how that works. Okay. That's simple. That's simple. He's so dramatic. And he's like, I'm here to get justice. Sit down, sit down. Like, yeah, just stop and he does mansplain i just can't remember the specific dialogue that he does but it makes me so mad oh it drives me nuts okay so then they're going to trial and anna stops peter to show him an article that was sent to them by mistake and this is the chinese food scene right uh no okay i have a thought about that one too but there, yeah, so there's a list of articles that were sent to them by mistake. And there's an article in there about how the factory was like a safe haven for pedophiles and the raves were like used to lure in underage kids. I don't know. So Anna spoke to a shrink and she's like, listen, one of the consequences of child abuse is pyromania. And so Peter takes it to Jeffries and he's like, this is our motive. And Jeffries is like, I'm not, I'm not here to play lawyer games. Like I want real facts only. Oh, you do? <laughs> says the guy who just told Peter like if you win it'll make your career and if you lose it'll wreck mine okay that's rich yeah that's rich so then during the trial we are a little hashtag blessed for a second Severide takes the stand in his dress blues Mwah. for like two seconds it's a nice two seconds but like again this is one of those moments where I guess we'll avoid stuff too but like you get like this is how they're calling it a crossover and it's just like ah. That's like when the when Grey's and Station 19 used to do little crossovers, but they would call it a crossover and all it was was like Bailey on Station 19. That's and that was still it. how they do their crossovers. It's like Bailey will either pop up or like um, Ben. Ben will go over. And I'm like, you can't have, Ben was a freaking series regular on Grey's. That doesn't count. Good to know they still do it that way. I stopped watching. So, oh gosh. You should go back to Station 19, but should anyway, I? that's, yes, you should. That means I gotta watch Dean die, and that's gonna make me sad. It's very sad, but there's no. I want. To, we'll talk about it after. There's a ship. There's there's a ship. There's a new ship. But have you were you around for Victoria's ship with Theo? Yes, but yes, it gets I was around for like the very very beginning. It gets better. Ooh, it gets better. And Merle. Oh, we have to. We'll talk about it after. Okay. Merle Dandridge. Now that she's a series regular, and it's oh so good. Okay. Okay. So yeah, Severide takes the stand, followed by the victim who originally ID'd Dylan. And this is the victim again who she, she can't see. So she admits that, you know, she had half a tab of Molly that night, but she's 100% convinced about what we saw. And this is where it just emphasizes the point that this is trial is a game. Trial is a game because Stone gets to examine her, right? Stone asks her the question. Well, then comes cross-exam. And on cross-exam, you want to make your witness seem less credible. That's exactly what Bradley Whitford's character does. Because he's like, okay, so you were drinking, you'd had half a tab of Molly, 
there were lights and stuff with the music that was happening. So it could have been that like, he just ripped her to shreds. This girl who's been through a horrible trauma and may never regain her sight. He's just like making a joke of her. Yeah. When he even says he's like, he's like, but unfortunately it's like, unfortunately, really choice words there. But he's like, but unfortunately he's like, you're not able to identify my client as the man you saw that night. Are you? And she goes, no, I can't. She's like, I can't see anything because of him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I do want to take a moment of like Bradley Whitford appreciation. Cause like I freaking love Every time so I, the whole time I was watching this today, I was like, Josh, I was just like Josh Lyman. I just, that's all I care about. Where do you think Josh is now in 2022? Oh God. Okay. Are we considering like there's been enough time, like the same amount of time between when the show theoretically ended in the early 2000s and this? Yeah. Okay. So it's been like 15 years, probably right. 15 ish. Something like that. Something like that. I don't think he ever became president. You don't? I don't know. I'm not saying if it happened, I would, I like, I could see it happening, but I don't know if Josh would ever want to become president. I I definitely think that he was in the Senate at a certain point and like held that spot for a yeah. while. I, I could see him running. I could see something convince him. But I could see him doing it. Like, it's not like if someone said, yeah, Josh Lyman became president in that world, I'd be like, yeah, okay, he did. Mm-hmm. But I also think he likes running the scenes so much, like behind the scenes. Like, I think he enjoyed that part of it a lot more is how I see. Like, I don't know if I'd want to see if Josh, to me, is someone who enjoys making all the decisions. I think he likes pulling all the strings, which is why I think, being like chief of staff and so like that worked so well for him would he be would he ever serve as vice president you think i don't know maybe but vice president is not you know i don't know i don't know i think i think josh for sure became a state senator and and held it for a long time and then i i could see him eventually running for president like realizing what you know, what it all entails and just being like, you well, know, once he hits a certain for- age, like I could definitely see him being, you know, when he's not into doing that every day, mm-hmm. like I could definitely see him working for like the DNC and consulting on campaigns and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Josh Lyman. Forever. 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 Bradley Whitford forever. He's just, he's such a legend. Like I freaking yeah, love Bradley Whitford. I would- I know you were, was he, was he at the bar or was that just Richard Schiff? Him and Richard Schiff. And I had no, yeah, I would die if that had happened tomorrow. Like our friend tomorrow, she literally was like, she's like, Gina, Richard Schiff is like 10 feet away from her. And my response was like, who's that? So then of course we got home and I started West Wing and I was like, Gina, you idiot. Yeah. You real idiot though. No big time idiot. I know. And I had that moment at the 2019 festival because, um, the guy from Jane, the Virgin, um, Justin Baldoni, him, he was like 10 feet away from me at one point in the hotel. And I was like editing something and I just like realized, and I was like, okay, well, I can never watch Jane, the Virgin because I'm going to kick myself for this moment. Like if I watch, I'm I'm kicking myself from, yeah, Yeah. you would be kicking yourself because he's also amazing. Yeah, exactly. So I was just like, I'm just going to soak this moment in and then I'm never going to watch Jane, the Virgin because otherwise I'm going to be pissed yeah you know oh but that's bradley, so good you should watch it whitford bradley freaking whitford oh he's so good he's the only reason that this defense attorney was like palatable even though he was a complete asshole i mean yeah bradley whitford makes everything he said great but like still yeah and the, the the one good thing about justice is that the show got bookended by two absolutely iconic west west wing alums 
But I don't think I ever saw Richard Schiff in Justice. I didn't either, but I know he was in the finale. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I watched it at that point. I didn't make it that far. Hell no. Yeah, no. Hell no. So then Voight finally takes the stand and Dylan's lawyer brings up the fact that the people haven't entered the confession into evidence. The people just being a fancy word for the prosecution. And he's like, well, why haven't they entered this in, in, you know, into evidence? Could it be that they didn't trust you? And Voight's just like, Voight just gives him this look and he's like, I don't know. You'd have to ask the people. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. So then over late night Chinese food, Anna asks Peter if he could ever defend someone like Dylan. And he's like, well, I won't ever have to make that decision. And so Anna goes, oh, so you're a lifer. Let's take a moment to talk about this. Okay. Do you know how much an average district attorney makes when they're first starting out? Isn't it like pennies on dollars? Peanuts. Like they make less than some like teachers do. Yeah. I know it's not a lot prosecutors don't make much so like you're a lifer when you could be doing other stuff yeah but see and this is also why i don't think this is a great i mean the fact that they started their show off with a crossover also not that great because they like kind of drop hints little hints here and there because this is the first time we obviously hear him reference the fact that he was drafted by the cubs Mm -hmm. And so obviously he's had that, you know, rich person life experience or, you know, he's had all those things. And then obviously for whatever reason, he doesn't anymore and all that stuff. But like, I wish we had known a little bit more of his background when he made that comment. Cause like, I think that's important. The context is important, but like, we barely get it in this episode. Like they don't do a great job of setting up their characters in this episode. No, no. Which is what pilots are meant to do when they don't. This yeah. one doesn't. There's, there's not enough endearing stuff about these characters to make me care. It's all the, all this stuff just like gets on my nerves. I'm just like, all I okay. care about is Antonio. I, yeah. Antonio is the only one. So he's like, I will never have to make that decision. And then he does this thing. Have you ever heard the joke of like, how do you spot a CrossFitter? Oh, what? Like you're talking about like CrossFit, like the exercise. Have you ever, have you ever heard that joke? You probably haven't. No, I so don't. There, yeah. There's a joke of like, how can you spot somebody who does CrossFit? Don't worry. They'll tell you. And that's, that's the joke. And that's exactly what Peter does in this moment. He's like, he's like, Anna, I was so happy when I was drafted by the Cubs, like makes like a total point of that. And then he goes, when I'm in that courtroom, I'm not thinking about the state of Illinois. I'm thinking about the victims. Oh, so noble. Like, oh, okay, Captain America. Okay. Like, he yeah, tries- you really hate Peter Stone. I really, he is, he is everything I don't like about attorneys. Like, you really hate, I didn't think but he was that so, bad. But he's like- so dramatic and he acts like he's this martyr of like, I'm going to be a prosecutor for life. Like swish cape in the background. Calm down. Like, calm down. Oh, wow. But then it's the, it's the next thing that he does that really sends me over the edge. So, so Peter's like, I need motive. So I'm going to go get this Anders guy. Anders is the one who wrote the article about it being like a child porn den. So he's like, I'm not testifying. I'm not doing it. And so he brings up some old dirt on Peter from four years ago. And he's like, I happen to know about this weekend that you spent like a couple years ago and you did this thing. And he's like, say hi to Joan for me. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so then we cut to the next scene. Peter goes to meet with Joan to tell her, oh, hey, this guy is going to publish this article that's going to fuck up your life so I can win this case. See, I wasn't even thinking about it as like how much of an asshole Peter is. I was just like, what's the point of this? 
And like, who is this woman? Like, I just was like, what is the point of all this? Like, what, why are you telling me this? Show that Peter was a man whore once upon a time. Like, what was the point? Oh, to show that Peter's a murder and Peter does the best for his clients and like, oh, that made me so mad. And she's like, you're about to ruin my life just so you can win this case. Like, that's exactly what he's about to do. I, yeah, I didn't think about it like you did, but he got on my nerves so bad, so bad. I can tell. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I I really appreciate you going hard on Peter Stone. It's very fun. I enjoy um, you raging about it. He is getting added to the worst one Chicago, one Chicago characters bracket. He's getting yes. added to it. He, he found his way in through this episode. Tate, Roman, Peter Stone. It's a great top three. When I got drafted by the Cubs. Calm down. Like, Gorsh. We get oh, it. Oh, man. Gorsh. Oh, man. Okay. I got ideas for this bracket. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So uh, again, submissions for the worst one character, one Chicago character ever bracket. They're wide yes, open. Yes, so. it's happening. I you got a week to get them in. We are make we are going to do it before hiatus is up. We have a plan to do it in a couple weeks. So yes, get yes. them in. Um, Brian, everybody's probably super sick of listening to me now. So no, they're not. No, <laughs> no they're they not. probably are. Okay. So yeah. So basically, now we're back in court. Dylan's mom is on the stand, and she all of a sudden just starts burning out the fact that like her brother did she knows what her brother did to dylan when he was little and they went on all those fishing ships and she never said anything but she knew and it's just like everyone's just kind of like what the fuck like where and even dylan is like what the fuck like where did that come from yeah and so after the trial breaks for lunch peter finds dylan's lawyer again i don't remember his name eating and like goes and sits next to him and peter's like yeah you didn't send me the list of articles on accident and he was like it was on purpose so that i would introduce the defense for you and i never you never even have to put dylan on the stand blah 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 blah. again all this game stuff and peter's like at that point if any you know if anything in the trial that's happened so far like is anything actually true and dylan's lawyer won't confess to it and then we have this whole back and forth this isn't a game 39 kids are dead. And my concern is the one who's still living. You got a little of your dad in you, you know that? You think a criminal trial is all about some sort of ineffable morality. Something out there that's that's permanent and infinite. I got news for you, son. There ain't no such thing. What happens in that courtroom is a zero-sum game. There's winners and losers. Period. So why concern yourself with a fake news story as long as it puts a W in your column? Or at least an M for mistrial. Odds are out of the 12 ordinary citizens in the jury box, child sexual abuse will hit home for one of them. And that, my friend, spells hung jury. I'll retry him. And I'll find another reality. Maybe even one that's more acceptable to my client. Yeah. Basically, everything's just a game. I like it's disgusting what Bradley Whitford's character is doing, but it's smart as hell because well, in the, a murder trial, you've got to have a unanimous verdict. Well, and the fact that I mean, he literally wrote a whole book on it. Yeah, and that's how they figure it out because, like, the title of one chapter is like I don't remember exactly, but like "Trials a Game" or so, you know, something like that. I don't remember, but yeah. smart as hell. Yeah, but uh, as you can see, he's preying upon people's trauma. 
Yeah. Well, and the fact that he, and like, the thing that really got me is at the very end when he's walking away, he's like, I'll find another, you know, because Peter's like, if you know, if it happens and it gets a mistrial, like, he's like, I'll just retry him. And, um, Bradley Ripford's character is just like, well, I'll just find another reality. Maybe even one that's more acceptable my client. I was just like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Does it make sense now when, when I say, when I, what I mean, when I say I hate attorneys? Yeah. So Peter tries to get Dylan on the stand and the judge agrees, but only to the matters he's testified to so far. So basically his little outburst about the fact that his mom has lied about him being abused as a child. That's the only thing Peter can testify him about. So in order to kind of flip on that and get to where they want to go, they now have to find something else about his life that his mom didn't know um, and kind of go that route with it. So Peter's like, yeah, we'll send Antonio and Laura to go like, you know, find some dirt. So Antonio and Laura go down to the memorial for the warehouse and they find Al there. And Laura picks up this teddy bear with a note on it from some girl named Chloe to a guy named Arnie. And there's no Chloe on the survivors list, but there was an Arnold who died in the fire. So basically they go interview this girl, Chloe, and she mentions that she saw Dylan pacing outside the factory that night and then later arguing with some girl. And Chloe IDs the girl as Tamara, who is the one who first ID Dylan who can't see anymore. Basically, we start putting all these pieces together, and the whole reason that Dylan set the fire and started the arson in the first place is because he had run into Tamara on social media and in person at one point. And like, he tried to ask her out and she rejected him. And so she kept posting pictures about her perfect life on social media and it was making him angry. And so this is his revenge. Which again, that's the whole reason why I say the criminal stuff didn't work for me as well. Just not because it didn't make sense. Like, obviously it does connect back eventually, but for me, it felt like we went from like the owner being a, you know, a suspect or whatever, like all the stuff with the owner to then this guy who was really just upset because a girl rejected him for a date. It just feels like there was like a big stretch. And I was like, Whoa, this is like a, how did we get from point A to point Z? And I mean, obviously there is a thread there, but it just did not work as well for me. It felt like it was very much out of left field compared to where we started. See, and I, I tend to like when it's out of left field. Sometimes I like when it takes a last minute twist that just like turns everything on its head. I don't know. I just felt like this was like a lot, but I do think it's interesting that, I mean, Lexi died because of toxic masculinity. Yeah, basically. Yep. So we're back in the trial now and Dylan's on the stand and Peter starts going through this whole thing about bringing up the Facebook account that Dylan had and being obsessed with Tamara. And Dylan is just still denying all of it. Peter keeps digging at him. He keeps denying. Um, And Bradley Whitford's character tries to bring it back to Peter when it's his turn and like bring it back to Peter and Peter not really even having answered the question of like why Dylan started the fire. And Peter brings it all back. He's like, well, Dylan actually said it himself when he said, you know, blah, 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 and this and that, whatever. And Dylan all of a sudden starts like pounding on the table, like, and it gets louder and louder. And like the judge tries to stop him from doing it. And he stops eventually. But like, I, Peter says this, which I thought really just kind of brung it all home. He's like, you know, in Dylan's head, like Tamara had this perfect life and Dylan wasn't invited. He's like, Dylan couldn't let her get away with that. So he set fire to the world that didn't want him. And then he watched it burn. 
And he's like, I wonder, are those tears for the 39 dead or are they for your own sad and lonely life? And then it ends because Dylan tries to attack Peter and the security tries to hold him back, which obviously he doesn't even have to say he's guilty. I mean, we got it at this point. And yeah, jury ends up finding him guilty on arson and all the murders. And like the thing that killed me at the very end, the cut to Al as they read the guilty charge for Lexi's murder, you mm-hmm. know, the murder of Lexi Lindsay. And I was like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's justice. <laughs> So wild ride this one yeah and not my fave every time i even think about justice though it just like really irks me about like how dirty they did john seda because then i think about this being the turning point for antonio as a character and they took him to justice then they bring him back to pd and then they do him dirty for two seasons on pd and it's just like it all sucks they made him a drug addict yeah and a murderer antonio the man who like pretty much single-handedly set up this one chicago multiverse right they just did him so dirty and every time i think about justice it just makes me think about how dirty they ended up doing him in the end and i just i hate it i can't stand it justice was not good justice was it was just not good it wasn't no no it just no again hated most of the characters they definitely could have used a ship Definitely could have used a ship. Ships make everything better, but could have used a ship. Um, Who would you have shipped, good. though? I don't know, but I feel like they were either trying to set up. I think if they had kept going, I think it would have either been Antonio and Anna or Anna and Peter. I think it would have been one of those two. Everybody on that show was insufferable aside from Antonio and Anna. I'm just saying. So there we go. Antonio and Anna, that's your ship. But Anna was not insufferable because she was just like, she was just the really good little assistant who just like did as she was told. Like I said, I didn't really watch after like, I'm trying to remember if I, I think I watched three, maybe I watched four. I know I did not make it the whole season though. I don't I, I think I, I made it part of the way through three when, before I was like, why am I here? Why am I here? Yeah. But yeah, justice, no good, no bueno. But if you are curious to hear our thoughts on season or the episode two, a long, long time ago, a very long time ago, we did a video review of it. Um, it's on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I'll link it in the episode description. Yeah, yep, it was fun. Okay, that's about all we got for today. So, yeah, we survived. Yeah. We talked about justice and we survived. Yeah, we really, it is kind of funny though. And the one last point I will say about this, it is really funny though, how like, yes, justice didn't work, but everyone acts like it never happened. Like it never, it's not like, oh yeah, it lasted for a season. We tried, but like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone who's actually involved with the one Chicago universe ever mention justice. You remember the first time we played trivia with Nick and like, we stumped him with that Peter Stone question. He was like, wait, are you talking about justice? like wait yeah you mean that thing that other project that they tried we're acknowledging that it exists that's what i'm saying it's kind of wild yeah it's like here are these three very successful shows i mean one chicago is the biggest thing for nbc one of the biggest things for nbc i mean it's like a big deal and like they had one show that didn't work and nobody talks about it it's like we don't want nope nope mm -mm, nope and it is kind of crazy with like the way that fbi has transformed now into its own three franchise and like they've done it with svu and law and order and all this stuff like i wonder 
if this is happening now, like if justice, if they try to bring justice in now, like would it have, do you think it would have worked or no? Oh, oh God. Um, Just because of how the way, like, you know, all the Wolf franchises are now, but in 2017, it wasn't like that. Like, I mean, they weren't, One Chicago wasn't even all on one night. FBI wasn't a thing. There was only SVU. I mean, like, it was just a different time for Wolf Entertainment back then. But, like, now, do you think if they had added justice, would they have kept it going? No, because there would be no room for it. You can't have it on a different night. You're setting it up to fail if you have One Chicago Wednesday and then you have justice on another night. I I mean, I guess that's the point of it being for, you know, or whatever. But I guess my point being like if they figured that stuff out right like if they figured out when to air it and all that stuff do you think because they've expanded the other two you know into fbi and expanded law and order world that like they would have just kept justice going regardless no because like you said courtroom dramas are kind of boring yeah i can only handle svu in like small doses yeah well, it's like, I wonder too, if like, if again, if like justice had come before med, like, you know, like if it wasn't like the fourth one and they were trying, you know, like, again, just like different what if things, like if justice has come earlier, like, does it survive? You know, like, I don't know, just lots of I wonder, thoughts. cause you realize, you realize PD and med spun off with siblings of the characters that we already had, right? Mm-hmm. Justice didn't do that. I wonder if like. But wasn't the idea that Peter Stone is like a spinoff of a character from like the Law and Order world? He wasn't went over dad? to you. No, but oh, doesn't his dad was an attorney? But I don't think we. Oh, like his dad was an attorney on SVU. Yeah. I think so. I think or not SVU, but like regular Law and Order. I think so. Yeah, I'm looking it up. Hold on, because I don't remember. Um, hold on. Law and Order. Okay, yeah. OG Law and Order, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess I wonder if that was they're trying to tie into, you know, it's just like all those things. I don't know. It just wasn't captivating and there just was, there was nothing endearing about the characters. Except Antonio. And Anna. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Any other notes on this crossover? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, Lexi's death is obviously very sad, mm-hmm. but like, it's just, again, crossovers are really hard to watch nowadays because of how great Infection was. And Infection 1 is just so good. Should we revisit Infection just for fun? <laughs> we can think, guys, would you want us to revisit Infection? Now that we're on the other side of the pandemic, especially. Yeah let us know Mm, yeah for sure so yeah so that's all about all we've got for this week so we did hint earlier that we are indeed doing the worst one chicago characters ever bracket um yeah we're we're taking submissions now we'll be taking them for the next week just we don't know how big the bracket's gonna be we'll figure that out once we get all our submissions in. i mean there's only so many like i don't think we're gonna go that it can't be that crazy we'll see I mean, there's not that many terrible, terrible, terrible. I mean, unless you get into super minor characters. So, like, I don't think it'd be that big. But, yeah, we are working on it. We definitely are going to do it. We're going to take probably a week off of, like, episode. But we'll do the bracket instead on social media. So, it'll be fun. It will be fun. So, yeah, get your submissions in. Uh, Yeah. 
uh yes yeah, so live watch tonight for live patrons. watch tonight yeah 7 p.m central which is 8 p.m eastern yep. 6 p.m pacific i have to start with my time zone and then like work backwards um when yeah no not 6 p.m pacific 5 p.m pacific i knew that i can math no i can't um 5 p.m pacific brenna's right brenna can math gina cannot so yeah um yeah um what do i usually start the spiel with i'm like blanking right now i'm totally um follow us on i don't know that follow us on twitter um yeah oh um we're everywhere we're everywhere on social media you guys know that meet us at molly's right across the board facebook twitter instagram tumblr meet us at molly's everywhere email us anytime about anything meet us at molly's at gmail.com seriously anything anything it does not have to be the shows we watch other stuff we see the news we know things in the world are scary right now like anything you guys want to talk about our inbox is safe space safe space uh follow us individually on twitter i'm at gina watches tv brian i'm at brian k13 if you like the show which we really hope you do because you've made it all the way to this the end of this episode and you've lasted through all of me bitching about peter stone please leave us a rating and review on itunes or wherever you listen to us that would be really helpful and it does help other people find the pod yeah uh do we know what we're covering next week we don't know do we no but we will have a new episode next week we will have a new episode you will hear from us then so in the meantime everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week bye